Welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week, we are talking about the episode I have waited to talk about (laughs) since we began this podcast. Season 4, Episode 7, Full for Love. And so many many things in this episode that we have discussed in past Spike-centric episodes. So it's it's great to finally get here. Yeah, and on top of that, we have a very special guest. Um, The first guest ever with actual Vampire Street cred. (laughs) Um, Rose Bailey. Now, before I let her talk about herself, and I do want her to talk about herself, I just want to take a moment and gush about Rose. I've known Rose since college. Um, Like G, I met her in a lit class where you obviously meet all the coolest people at the (laughs) University of Maryland. Um, and as I just told uh, Froggy offline, we actually met because she was wearing this most awesome leather duster. I said it looks like spikes. She said it was intentional. Best friends immediately. <laughs> so that's Rose is probably uh, the only person I will admit maybe more of a spike expert than me. She's also the person who talked us into a cemetery and not just any cemetery, but the cemetery where F. Scott Fitzgerald was buried at midnight to get B-roll <laughs> for a fan film that will never see the light of day. Do, do not do not get excited, listeners. <laughs> you all are not never seeing this. You may hear it as a table read, but you're never. You're never seeing it. But yes, Rose, tell everyone about yourself, why I say you have Vampire Street Cred, uh, how and when you discovered Buffy, and why it's so important to you. Uh, Well, uh, hi, I'm Rose. Um, And I... Okay, um, longest running White Wolf vampire, the Masquerade slash the Requiem developer. Um, I'm just going to let myself do a brag here. Um, So yeah. um, She should. I've been doing uh, role-playing games and other horror media for um, uh, almost 20 years now. I mean, as a professional. Um, I uh, did uh, Masquerade 20th, um, Vampire the Requiem 2nd Edition, a whole bunch of World of Darkness games besides that, and Cavaliers of Mars, which doesn't have any vampires, uh, but which is my is my very darlingest. And, um, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like giving the pitch right now, but, um, I, I have done a lot. My, my point <laughs> is that I- put up links on our social media. My point is that, uh, I both have credentials and, um, don't want to be like, you know, the kind of vampire who makes being a vampire my entire identity. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, super jazzed to be here. Uh, I, I, I remember, um, you know, it's funny. I thought I thought Mary's comment was about the hair rather than the leather jacket, um, but it was yeah, a phase. It was probably about both. It, it was a phase, um, <laughs> and it lasted ten years. And it's where I met most of my closest friends. So, uh, so yeah, um, glad to be here. Um, wasn't able to get the accent going at all in time for the episode. You have time to work on it. <laughs> You'll see my horrible rendition of it. It'll be great. It's Holly's husband's right, favorite thing. Oh. Kevin, Kevin loves, Kevin loves Spike episodes for Mary's <laughs> Spike accent. Oh, wait till he hears my glory rant. Um, but yes, how and when did you discover Buffy? 
Oh, uh, so I'm not quite sure uh, when, um, but um, I ended up reading some fanfic, uh, and after after uh, a couple chapters, I was like, and I knew the basic premise. Um, I'd seen like an episode or two, uh, and I was reading some fanfic. I'm like, okay, I gotta go back and look at some context. And uh, back then. My bandwidth was not up to pirating. Uh, so I ended up <laughs> catching up on up to wherever I had been um, in transcripts, which quaintly used to be controversial among entertainment companies. Um, <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the Buffy transcript sites uh, uh, got C&D'd back in the, uh, you know, 90s. Um, wow. Happened to... I'm pretty sure that happened to some other th- fandoms I was in too. Um, you know, it's kind of like they, they they used to um, send C and D's to lyric sites. Um, um, you know, um, <laughs> the studios trying to pre- uh, protect their revenue stream um, before they found out that um, they could come to an arrangement that both uh, had customers paying for uh, content and. Then that money not getting to uh, anyone involved, <laughs> uh, you know, which you, is you, very appropriate considering the strikes that just yeah. finally finished up. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, yeah, um, that's how I got into Buffy fanfic. That was a long way of saying fanfic. That's a great way. That's, that's a, a, I have. Yeah. I actually, I have a friend who has never watched an episode of Ted Lasso, but he <laughs> reads Jamie and Roy fanfic. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's 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 great. It's it's fun that uh, yeah, that you got into it through fanfic. That's that's a fun way of doing it because sometimes fanfic is better than the actual content. <laughs> well, I would say I I wouldn't say that real. Well, I'd say it about Stargate Atlantis. But I wouldn't say it about Buffy. <laughs> so I have to ask: Was it Spuffy fanfic? Uh, no, um, Spike isn't in it much at all. Um, Shocking, uh, actually. But but oh, I, you know what? I I wish I could remember the title because it was a fairly long thing. Essentially, uh, e- essentially its own season um, as a as a story arc. But it had this flash forward, which is a pastiche of Blade Runner. Uh, and so naturally the ending is um, Spike uh, Spike and Buffy on a rooftop and um, and uh, Buffy hanging off the edge and realizing Spike has a soul. Um, oh, and that uh, so, would have been before he had one. Oh yeah. Um, and, and you know, uh, sometimes we may get to the, get at some point we, today we may get to how I think souls are a scam in Buffy, but... Um, <laughs> No, they uh, are. We're gonna, I swear we're going to talk about this because I have a whole thing about about kind of yeah about William and how William still exists. He he slams him down deep in there, but William is still in there. Yeah, we've and we've also we've always discussed how the whole thing. Like, yeah, I mean, <sighs> you are who you were in. You're just dialed up to eleven. You know, Angel's a dick. That's what I was just going to say. Liam was a dick. He would have died of some sort of (laughs) syphilis. Syphilis. Bless the ghost of Angel's past for saying that. Well, you know, uh, I could get off on a whole Liam thing, 
but I also couldn't get <laughs> off on the whole Liam thing. So, uh, so, uh, this is what? not a safe space for Angel at no, all. No, no, it I, is I, not. I am very fond of uh, of the uh, of the gentleman um, with the excellent hair, but um, <laughs> but uh, he really wouldn't have learned his lesson if somebody hadn't, uh, you know, uh, put him. Sit down his throat. <laughs> I, I was going to say put him in serious depression for a century and a half, um, uh, unending depression. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think that was not an ethical way. Of um, of uh, punishing murder. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we this is why we do not have a uh, a state run by sorcerers. <laughs> I mean, we did talk about that a lot in season two, where we were like, "This is the worst curse because the curse breaks and the murderer comes back." Yeah. Why isn't it like if you're happy, you burn with the fire of a thousand? Su- this is the what these people were not good at curses. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the, the curse, the curse kind of worked for a while, where you know he was tormented for a century. But no, then I'm fine with the torment, but it should have been if you experience another moment of happiness, you burn with the fire of a thousand suns, not the big scary monster man comes back. Um. Yeah, that actually gets into theories of uh, into theories of punitive criminal justice versus deterrative community, uh, <laughs> criminal justice versus. Um, I, honestly, you could make a case for for a restorative, ju- but I'm just showing off. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah, like I think about vampires a lot. Okay, I think about vampires a lot. We're just gonna we're just gonna chalk it up to it being the 90s and people not thinking things through as much as the rest of us do now in hindsight well to 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 a certain extent um because jane espenson has commented on this um they went hard in the setup with um vampires definitely not being people and um not looking like people um when they're being violent uh, and uh, uh, exploding in dust so that nobody's burying bodies, uh, uh, because that um, y- you really couldn't get that amount of uh, murdering six people a week on TV um, uh, in the uh, in the late nineties. Um, I thought it was just we didn't want to spend the last fifteen minutes of every episode digging a hole. Well, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, Espenson told this much funnier than me, honestly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but but basically, uh, it, it vampires are bad, angel is good, needed to be, like, kind of baked in, because otherwise, uh, no one would air it. Angel is dumb and has stupid hair. Okay, cool. I feel better now. <laughs> All right, but yeah, let's talk about this episode. Yeah, yeah, Let's talk about the actual cool vampire. Let's talk about the actual cool vampire. (laughs) So, Fool for Love, it aired November 14th, 2000. Um, A quick note about the title. It is actually taken from a Sham Shepherd play about... Oh, it's uh, weird. Oh, it's about incest. Like, there's, it there's no way yeah. to sugarcoat that. 
Um, it's about a brother and a sister who both love each other, but hate each other and hate themselves because they love each other. And they're like locked in this like vicious cycle of like sexual desire and disgust. And I understand. I understand that they're like kind of like that's what's going on over here. I, I just wish we hadn't used incest to make that metaphor. It's uh, a head. Yes. <laughs> Trying to get, a fa- get ahead of the fanfic community, I think. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I've seen some weird ones. I've seen ones where, like, you know, Spike ends up with Joyce, and so is Buffy's new stepdad. So, you know, I've I've seen it all. There's, there's, you know what? There, nothing surprises me no. in in you know, you know, in I fiction. think I, I think that um, that Joyce might actually find that uh, Drew is a nice compliment for her personality. I mean, no, Joyce thought Drew was very finicky and sounded like she didn't know what she wanted. And that said, Spike should just forget about her. There were little marshmallows involved in that conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll back off for now. I'm just saying that I'm just saying that, you know, a slight, a slightly more whimsical partner might help Joyce. Um, you know, cause she, okay, really does I'll have give you to, that. she really does have to cope with her, uh, with her daughter's high risk of job. Yeah. <laughs> So our synopsis for this episode is Buffy forces Spike to explain how he killed two slayers and his flashbacks reveal the first time he met Drusilla, as well as collaboration with fellow bloodsuckers, Angel and Darla. I remember when this episode first aired, I was on the phone with Becky and I was like, I'm going to watch this every Christmas. (laughs) This is the best thing to ever be on TV. I, I hope to that. (laughs) <laughs> I even better even better than the actual christmas episode oh cool i chose violence on that day i do have that cued for for christmas week and i do in the thing say it's the episode where i woke up and chose violence yeah. <laughs> there is nothing i hate as much as i hate amends amends is such a terrible episode the worst it's the worst this should be our christmas episode <laughs> um anyway what are our foreign titles froggy are they fun um i didn't have to cut out any of the foreign titles this week so none of them was full for love oh cool so armenian the foolishness of love time okay okay yeah madly in love okay yeah finish finish soft in the head (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's actually that that's good that's really good they, they violence. <laughs> <laughs> French, and again, French, be- the flaw. German, a lesson for life. <laughs> Hungarian, love stupefy. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> oh, that, that's really good. I, I love that one. That might be the winner so far. Italian, crazy with love. Mm. Japanese is just past. <laughs> and okay. I'm sure in the original, like when you look at all the characters, I'm sure it is a very poetic thing, but the concept just translates to past. Polish, sick love. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Portuguese from Brazil, crazy in love. Uh, okay. Romanian, crazy for love. Ru- Russian, <laughs> stupidity during love. Oh, I like that too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That one, that one's my favorite. Spanish from Latin America. <laughs> love, yeah, soft in the head, yeah. Soft in the head and stupidity during love are are so good. Spanish from Latin America loves that kill. 
And Spanish from Spanish from Spain is love cravings. Oh, those are good. There are so many good ones this week. There are so that's gonna be hard to choose ones. Yeah. I don't know. Like you could go put like love cravings is a very poetic, but soft in the head. (laughs) I feel I'm gonna be outnumbered when it comes to soft in the head. Ha! Okay. Well, we do, of course, get a previously on, uh, mostly about Spike. His name, his relationship with Jiru, his getting his ass kicked by Buffy, his chip, and the fact that he apparently likes getting his ass kicked by Buffy because he's in love with her, which he isn't too keen on. I mean, getting his ass kicked by Buffy is basically his part-time job, so it's good that he enjoys (laughs) it. It's more like volunteer work because he's not actually getting paid for it. He sometimes gets paid for it. He gets paid for it today. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's a great segue right there. (laughs) Um, We're also reminded of the whole teach me Slayer lore line that we just kind of chucked in the bin following the premiere. But um, I think it is interesting that though she goes to Giles with this request and she's like, saying she needs a watcher again uh it's spike who's gonna give this lesson and you know me i'm on my hill i'm on my hill of like william was a watcher and i'm dying there because spike's given the watcher lesson this episode i really but but uh let's uh let's take a moment about that um uh, about that conversation between um (laughs) buffy and giles uh because um Giles really hits an emotional button um, that's going to be oh. important. That, that's going to be important this season. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Uh, uh, about how the reason watchers don't write down the uh, literally gory details of uh, their charges' deaths is because it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, like. How many watchers it does? I mean, I, I I'm now vilifying uh, the entire Watchers Council because, <laughs> like, Giles was told that like his attachment to Buffy was a big no, 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 no. So, yeah, like, but- how many watchers? Did feel that I'm sure. I'm sure there were others. Well, no, I'm yeah. sure there were others. I think it's a matter of scale. Um, I'm pretty sure that um, that professors who hated me in college would be really <laughs> fucking upset if I'd been murdered by a vampire. Um, probably. The only the only professor in college I think would care if I was murdered by a vampire is Dr. Flieger, but that's because Dr. Flieger also works for the Watchers Council. The uh, That is the professor in whose class we met, uh, who I yes. talked to recently. Uh, <gasps> you talked to her? Just Just exchanged a few emails, yeah. Um, I, I was working on, uh, on a, uh, uh, what I'm calling my Guinevarian mythology. Um, uh, and I just commented to her, I just sent her an email. Thank you for introducing me to, uh, uh, to, uh, Arthurian legend. I love Dr. Flicker. Oh, and that involves vampires too, but not my vampires, but not the white wolf vampires and not these vampires. So. New vampires. Yeah. Let, let's okay. talk about the episode. All right, well. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later because I'm excited <laughs> to hear about that. Um, so yeah, anyway, from the previously on, we go to a cemetery. Buffy is fighting and bantering with a vamp who's kind of ripped off Spike's whole look, just saying. Although he kind of looks more like a metal. Yeah, he's more like 80s. Yeah, yeah. He's like, like this vampire is 
is hair metal. Spike is the Sid Vicious Billy Idol. Sid, yeah, yeah. Because even like when we were watching it, Kevin Kevin was like, he looks like the kid from Stranger Things who was into <laughs> D&D and metal. I mean, like, I think um, both that kid and uh, Spike probably sat in high school doodling swords in the margins of their notebooks. Yes. But they sat on yes. opposite um, sides of the classroom. So wait, 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 wait. So are we saying, because now, now, now I'm going to go down this tangent. <laughs> um, so if we're saying our, my baby Angel William was in high school today, he'd be over there. He'd be, he'd be a sword and sorcery kid. He wouldn't uh, be like the guy we met in Never Kill a Guy on the First Date who's like, let me read you my Emily Bronte or my, no, Emily Dickinson. Well, it, that guy was not cool enough for Bronte. Well, come on. Depends on what did. Yeah, why, but why do you think that guy's two different guys? I trust me, I have kissed that guy, and he's and he's the same guy. <laughs> Fair enough. So, oh yeah, the fight's going fine. Um, till it's not. Like she drops her stake, he sees his opportunity and slams it into her abdomen <laughs> as we go to the credits. Still awesome. Yes. It, it's just one of the all-time greatest theme tunes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mary, um, it, you were, know. Uh, were you at that very problematic University of Maryland uh, art attack where Nerf Herder played as an opening band? I was not, and now I'm very angry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mostly for missing Nerf Herder, not for being at the problematic part. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I am told that what they did was play a song, say, okay, we know y'all don't know who we are, and then do the first few chords of the Buffy theme. Um, I am told the comedic effect was perfect. However, I came in towards the end of the Buffy theme and only saw the racist title act. <laughs> um, oh, okay, so that's what made it problematic was the title... Uh, yeah, so yeah. was the opener. Yeah, Nerf Herder was the opening act, the headliners, that's a whole rabbit hole, but, um, uh, jerks. Big jerks. I was definitely not at this art attack. <laughs> Whew. Um, we return from the credits to, thankfully, a still-breathing Buffy, uh, rips the steak from her stomach, takes off, not so much running as limping, Vamp sees his opportunity, He's going to go again. But there's Riley with a taser. Like, what? what? <laughs> Sir, why are you bringing a taser? Riley uh, continues to just. Riley does being a, a trained soldier, he is not very good. Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to defend Riley here, which is actually. <laughs> kind of, this is kind of weird, given that I was planning to make a lot of fun of him uh, here. But I mean, oh, don't worry, we'll get there. The whole military monster squad thing. Um, there aren't a ton of good ways to fight vampires other than the way Buffy does it. Um, I would have accepted a, a flamethrower. Uh, yeah, but um, would the already permissive um, Sunnydale uh, cemetery ordinance codes? Pun there, ordinance. Um can we also talk about, like, when we get there down the line, like, how he destroyed a crypt? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah! Yeah! He doesn't <laughs> care about the ordinance codes! 
Okay, okay, that's fair. Uh, but the, uh, the mild defense, the mild defense I'm going to put forth of Riley here is that um, if you're a guy who is just extremely buff, you're better off tasing a vampire than trying to box with one the way Buffy does. I feel like once he left the whole, like once the whole organization was dissolved, I feel like Buffy should have trained him in staking. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah like, um, like uh, it's not hard. Pointy end in vampire. You know, like if you want it, it's like, I feel like he could combine like two separate techniques, like tase and stake. Ooh. Like he, he could use like his military abilities and also like he like it could be a whole new way of fighting vampires combining military training and slayer training. Oh, poor but Riley. He's... I don't like him much, but I do feel sorry for him. <laughs> like I really liked him. I really liked him in the beginning, like before we found out about the whole, you know, and the whole toxic masculinity thing kicked in. Like I li- I actually like it. I like him more as time goes on. Um, not as in time in my real life, but as the, uh, uh, as the seasons he's in continue, um, so, you know, four or five and, and, uh, a bit in six, um, when he returns where it becomes clear, uh, that when Buffy said, um, in season four, he was doing the Spider-Man analogy. Uh, uh, he's like, I found out my girlfriend is Spider-Man and she uh, and she gives him the line, um, "Yeah, I'm from a long line of long line of Spider Men with um, with short lives." Um, but anyway, the thing is, like Riley is not very suited to this life. Um, no. Like he's he's got some he's got some ability for it, but uh, Buffy is a workaholic, righteously violent person, and uh, Riley just wanted the army to pay for his psych degree. And I, and I, the other <sighs> thing is, like, they, the, the army and their training didn't quite prepare them for how bad this whole thing is going to be. Like, they just, they really, they did, they did the, those boys a lot of disservice. Yeah, in, um, funny and, and the not army like, doing that. And, <laughs> And not like, like, and also like when they were discounting Buffy's knowledge of the whole thing and the whole thing of like, we need to study and we need to look up what's going on. Like, again, like Riley could have been a, you know, a cool bridge between his military training and the knowledge that comes with being around the Slayer and, and such. Maybe they could have put his um, his psych BA to use instead of BA or BS. BS, um, uh, like uh, you know, um, maybe pro- profiling vampires or something. He's never going to be Robbie Coltrane, but um, uh, but it might be better than being a somewhat uh, strong gentleman kicking things. Really does not seem to be his. Yeah, because they also like, yeah, they forgot that he actually is intelligent. Like he he does have a lot behind him. Yeah. And most of his good. But again, like are him being smart. Yeah. Rather than him being brave. Yeah. 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 Don't. This is this is the the in defense of Riley article. 
Yeah, I sorry. I don't like defending Riley. Uh, no, yeah, I, I'm fine for anybody else to do it. I don't like doing it. Also, I, uh, I've i kind of come to realize that uh, work-obsessed girlfriends can be kind of a handful. You know, being one. Um, so I also have one. Like, she can't. We're on vacation, and she's, like, doing emails in the line for Space Mountain. So, like, I get it. <laughs> I mean, you got to do something with that time while you're waiting. I am, too, yeah. Or while we're all going on something that, like, will destroy her back, she's taking a work call. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, the vamp runs away. Riley goes to Buffy, wanting to know what's wrong. And, and she sort of collapses in his arms, and he sees the blood on her hands. And it's serious. This is reinforced by the vast array of medical supplies we then see in Buffy's room. Really good bit of dialogue here. Um, You said it wasn't that bad. No, I said I'd seen worse. That (laughs) That is a really, I do like that. That is a really good exchange. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's kind of embarrassed she passed out. But other than that, she's she's doing good. Um, Riley thinks she should see a doctor. (laughs) But Buffy says no, because... Real doctor means real hospital means her real mom gets real worried. And we're not well, doing that to Joyce right now. <laughs> that, not, not doing that to Joyce. And, you know, she has accelerated healing, part of the Slayer package. And what I like about this scene is that she describes Riley like he's an action figure. Um, the boyfriend with uh, medical, what is it? Army medic abilities. Uh, is just an add-on. And I, I so I do kind of like that she describes Riley like a G.I. Joe because that is what he is. No, I think you're reading it wrong. Um, oh, I okay. How, uh, how should I be reading this? Uh, he's not G.I. Joe. He's the um, Barbie pink, uh, pink urban camo purse. He's an accessory, not an action figure. <laughs> oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say he was Ken. I was going to be like, is his job army? I mean... Uh, I mean, yes. That's not... <laughs> that, that, that is also true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not too far off. <laughs> okay, so he's either a nice bag or he's, he's Ken whose job is army. Yeah, um, uh, honestly, that's a better joke than I was going for, so let's... let's, let's <laughs> uh, <laughs> His his job is army. Uh, now I'm gonna have to write that down somewhere. Hold on, because we're gonna have to. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to tell. I'm gonna have to tell my sister that after uh, after we get off this recording. I'm gonna Which one? Um, one of the ones you don't know. I kind of found a sister. Okay, um, I was gonna be like, I know you were not hiding another person in that house. Uh, <laughs> no, I have. I have uh, three sisters. One sister-in-law and two brothers-in-law. That is fair. I mean, I get it. Holly is my sister, so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at the show we're talking about. Exactly, yeah. This episode, this episode and the whole show resonated uh, resonated with people uh, our rather advancing age. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) uh, That way. this kind of stuff resonated with us because we were starting to acknowledge uh, that trauma was a real thing that affects people um, mm-hmm. and the importance of our found families. And I think as uh, 
as our ages have advanced, um, that's become more and more openly a part of us. And then like, um, that's the premise of essentially um, all media produced by millennials, except for horror films about being a dad. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Like, and even growing up, like my... Like my best friends growing up, we all came from broken families. So like our moms were each other's mom. Like we all like we all called each other's mom mom. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah um, it was it was like it was. I like, called Jackie's know. mom mommy. That's I remember. Like, I remember. I still to this day. I like walk into the house. I'm like mommy. <laughs> yeah, you, you uh you called uh, uh Mrs. Borowski um mommy much more than Jackie did. Mm-hmm. That's my mom. That's <laughs> that is my second family. Yeah, I'm glad. I was glad to hear they're doing all. They're all doing fairly well. So as Riley showed up late to the party, he wants to know about the bad guys. What were they? Vampire. Okay. How many? This one. So he was like super vamp. Nope. Just run of the mill. It shouldn't have happened. Buffy is technically at the top of her game, and yet it did. But before they can say anything else, Dawn bursts in. Buffy starts to get annoyed. But Dawn is there to save them from any sex-related embarrassment because mom is coming. And she's doing good. Boarding on Chipper, planning on being obnoxious. Watching these episodes now is very hard. It is, yeah. Oh, oh, um, because yeah. Because we all know what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And you know... You know that, like, even in these moments where they're talking to her, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get upset about it. You know they are going through their final weeks with their mom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's yeah, just, it, was, it is so hard to watch. It's, it's really hard to watch the Joyce scenes. Uh, yeah, and in fact, um, the uh, the ending scene, uh, which we'll mm-hmm. get to, I think, I think is the word. Yeah, um, but that that is even heavier and even. Uh, you know, a bit more comforting than it was in, uh, sorry, what, what year did you say, uh, the original? 2000. 2000. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, uh, having sat with Joyce's death for 23 years, that one hits harder. There is so much about the end scene. I can't wait to talk about. Um, I also like, so many things that happened with Buffy and Faith in earlier seasons. I hate the fact that we never really delve into. We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, but there is, there is some stuff that that final scene invokes that I'm like, but why don't we talk about this? Because uh, Buffy characters we'll don't talk, except they do. They, they talk don't. all the time, but they don't talk. But. No, they don't talk. There is a whole episode dedicated to this. Dead Man's Party. The fact that nobody can communicate with anybody else. And the fact that they all lie terribly but believe each other. Joyce tells Buffy when she gets a minute, she likes to go over the grocery list for the next week. Are they disinfecting something? Because, yeah, she does see the big bottle of rubbing alcohol, peroxide, whatever they're using to clean the wind. Coming to Buffy's aid for the second time is Dawn. She says it's hers. Some nail polish experiments are just... Failed from the get-go. And yet she just keeps pushing that envelope. Uh, Joyce leaves. I I, I just want to say something something complimentary about Michelle Trachtenberg here, which is that she plays Dawn as such a kid in these episodes. Mm -hmm. And they have have such a kid-sister relationship, which, you know, that doesn't seem at all unusual. But then going back here, after watching every single episode after Joyce's death, she ages a lot. 
at once from grieving. They really and then even like, more like, when Buffy dies. For, for with for these characters, like so much of like the camaraderie has been built up, you know, with the Scooby gang and Michelle, even though like we haven't had her for very long and like she's part of this whole plot that's coming up, she fit in with the family so well. Oh, yeah. She yeah. did. And I mean, I know she had a past with Sarah. So that mm-hmm. that really helped is that she and Sarah knew each other going. I mean, Sarah was the one who said to bring her in for an audition. Mm-hmm. Um, They're very plausibly siblings. I wonder, though, when the switchover happened, because as we discussed in episodes that nobody's heard yet, um, Dawn was originally written to be 12. Michelle was 14. They decided to age up the character to 14. But so many scripts had already been written and they decided not to change the dialogue Mm -hmm. or anything. So you also wonder when that switch happens that they start writing her as a teen opposed to a tween? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, this one, she didn't seem like, I mean, I don't know. Um, I was a weird 14 year old, I guess. Um, I think we were all, yeah, we were. Yeah, we but were I mean, like, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I have a good barometer on how one should play a high school freshman. Um, but I will say that, you know, she seems like, um, she seems like a younger sister. And again, I think like yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- and I think skipping around like she loses her whole family, uh, her her whole biological mm-hmm. family very fast um in this season. Oh, and, there are theories. Uh, and Trachtenberg does a really good job um going through this. Um what yeah, like there are some like, theories on that about if her whole biological family is gone. Well, I mean, uh, her dad is fucked off to wherever, and I think there's a line near the beginning of season six with Willow and Tara um, about how uh, nobody really wanted to um, send Dawn to live with her dad. Um, Yeah, I wish I could find the line. Obviously, we'll talk about it when we get to that episode. But there's a line about how, like, they took a piece of Buffy to make her and something about instilling it with fighter. And it led to this whole theory that, one, because of the way she was made, she is technically Buffy's daughter, not her sister. And two, you could argue that the if you're looking for the other great fighter, like, she could be, like, Buffy and Spike's shot. Like, there's a whole, like, crazy <laughs> rabbit hole about this. It's very fascinating. Uh, it's, um, uh, my friend Lex is very, like, into that theory. Well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure um, in any literal way. Um, but, you know, um, Buffy and the Scoobies do essentially um, take over the parental roles and, uh, you know, uh, I think we all know people who are raised by their siblings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, anyway, my point is Dawn's life has a lot of shit in it. And Michelle Trachtenberg does a really good job developing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Michelle Trachtenberg is a phenomenal actress. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And especially for the age that she, she yeah, is. She is also, according to Dawn, the man. <laughs> Uh, a very short, annoying man. Oh yeah, that, that's that's another that's another really good one. Yeah. 
all I could think of when she was doing the like, who's the man is that when the Revenge of the Sith came out and there was all the advertising about like who to man, Yoda man, man. Yeah. and it's Yoda in the Galactic Sith. Oh, all that's running through my head at like 7 45 a.m. I don't remember that a, one, on but I approve of the pun. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. It was, a, it was a thing. <sighs> anyway, Buffy says if she promises not to freak out and tell mom, she will show Dawn what is going on. Dawn promises. Buffy shows her the bandage up wound. Cool or, or gross. She figures gross is probably a more appropriate thing, but it is kind of cool. Uh, Buffy reminds her that she cannot tell mom, which means she has to help with the household stuff. And Riley says he'll help with patrol by himself. Just a sweep. Well, Buffy would feel better if he takes the gang along. <laughs> but before we get to that, Dawn wants to know when she gets to patrol. The answer is never. But um, yeah, I forgot about Riley and the others on patrol. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, this is comedy gold, right? Because you have Riley, very stealth in his neutral colors, sneaking through the graveyard. And then you have Willow, Xander, and Anya. Xander's wearing bright orange. Willow's wearing bright purple. They're eating chips. (laughs) (laughs) This is... This is not the crack team that manages to foil his every and plan. Xander, I, 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 I think the, the other thing is that Xander is is uh, quite visibly distracted by Riley's ass. Yeah. Oh. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, 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 I don't think I really looked at it this way, other than, um, uh, other than uh, observing that certain kinds of slash had become inevitable. Um, but like. When you get when uh, Riley turns up back in season six, uh, the Nick and Nora Fury thing, it is extremely obvious uh, how much of a crush Xander has on Riley. Um, like I don't know, I don't know if he actually wants to make out. That's not what all crushes are. But like, like Riley is the army guy Xander wants to be. Oh, absolutely. Um. This is the guy Xander imagines himself as or imagines himself growing with when he steals a rocket launcher. Yeah. So it's in, so this is like super interesting, right? Because like even outside of Xander and Riley, Xander and like everyone, because, you know, they did not originally know if it was going to be Xander or Willow that they ended up writing as a queer character. And you yeah. saw them laying the groundwork for both because Xander continually remarks on how attractive Riley is. Uh, Then when we get to season six, there's the whole, I'm not sleeping with Spike, but I think you might be. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've forgotten that. That's uh, Xander is obviously very into Riley. And in the new Boom Studio comics, they actually made Xander bisexual, which I love. I love so much. So, like, Xander's always had guy crushes. Like that is a that is a Xander thing. I am probably uh, assuming I have remembered to um, charge my less heavy computer. Probably going to catch up on the whole whole boom uh, run tonight. It's it's different. It definitely takes place in the multiverse, so it's a separate yeah, I've, universe. I've then. seen the I've seen the mic drop about the multiverse. Okay, so you like we'll get to the nineties like line. comment like yeah, but you'll. There is one storyline where we will actually drop into the TV show for a few panels. It's so good. There's also a one-shot issue that is Froggy and I's favorite thing in the world, 
which is the gang talking about what would happen if Giles was to become a vampire and how each of them would take him down. Oh, I love it, those kinds of episodes. It's so, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And why were we not blessed with Vamp Daddy Giles at any point? I need, I need <laughs> we need more. We need more of that, that universe. There's only 22 to 24 episodes a season, Mary. <laughs> this is Fine. why we have spinoff media. This is this is why we have spinoff media. Um, Vamp Daddy Giles is literally our favorite thing. It's why we did the Lost Slayer novels last season. Yeah. Anytime we can talk about Vamp Daddy Giles, it's our it's mm-hmm. our it's our. Bag. I mean, look at the like. You have to see the cover of that issue too. Like, oh, hold on, can I find it? Because it's put based, it in chat. Because it's on. based on the photo shoot. There's a couple different covers, but this is the cover we want. Yeah, because <laughs> there's also the one of him like uh, leaning over the books, but this is. There's a Kim Newman story. Um, uh, One of his Anno Dracula ones. um, And that's a whole complicated multiversal rabbit hole itself. But anyway, um, the villain, um, the villain who is only on on page a little bit, is a guy named Rupert Gorse, who's a uh, vampire Giles. Aw, I I love that. (laughs) I don't remember... Gosh, I do not remember the name of that one. It's one of the Vampire Genevieve novels. She crossed over from mm. being a Warhammer character to a detective in his other... Anyway, yeah. Um, oh, so good. <laughs> Genevieve is one of those names a lot of vampires end up with. Uh, it's it's a thing. It's a, it's a vibe. Oh, I like that. That's a great cover. <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. good. Yeah. So good. Um, but yes, Riley is definitely moving from grave to grave, attempting to remain unseen using hand signals, which would be great, except nobody knows what those hand signals mean. Um, and so they have to loudly yell at him for clarification. Uh, that isn't working for Riley. He gets, as Xander puts it, all angry and sarcastic and suggests that maybe they should go to the bronze and investigate things there. Oh, no. They're they're sorry. Were they not being covert enough? They can be stealthier. Yeah, they have to lose the chips, which I like (laughs) how Willow throws away the bag, but keeps a large handful of them um, so that she can continue to eat them. I mean, what do you do when you throw out your popcorn when you're leaving the movie theater? You get get one handful of popcorn. Yeah. And this is this is where we get a lot of Xander appreciating Riley. He's like a cat. Why can't he be cool like that? And Anya and Willow is, uh, assure Xander that he is very cool. And he is. He should not let Riley make him feel bad about himself. Um, but for, if anybody's wondering, the hand signal uh, does mean hurry up, double time, rush. And it's interesting that Xander doesn't recognize it. Well, Xander's memories, so, Xander's memories of that seem to come and go. So they've been pretty solid up until now. But so people are wondering if this is the start of starting to see, like, maybe that hold is starting to fade. And I'd like to believe it is. I mean, Xander still can be, like, key guy in all operations. But I would like the children not to remember the horrible experiences they had that night. (laughs) Maybe a little less therapy. So maybe it's a good thing if those memories start to fade. Took a few years. Took a few years, but yeah. Uh, Over at the magic shop. Uh, Giles and Buffy are going through what seems to be old Watcher's Diaries. Looking for any insight into the lie. Oh, wow. Title line. Yes. I know. I love whenever I get to say that they're looking at Watcher's Diaries. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. (laughs) 
Uh, they're looking for any insight into the lives, uh, more accurately, the deaths of some of the Slayers that came before. But everything seems to be the same. A Slayer is chosen, she battles evil, and then, oops, she's dead. So I want to know about the Slayer that forged her own weapons. Because Buffy's like... Right? She seems to know. Buffy's like, you gotta love a chick with an anvil. And I'm like, yes, I want to know about this chick with this anvil. Do we know about her? Hold on. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, where are my historicals? No, I don't want to know about Excalibur right now. I sometimes <laughs> want to know about Excalibur, but this is not that time. Uh, <laughs> Google's like, do you mean Excalibur? And I'm like, no. Uh, no, they are just unidentified weapons misslayers. So we did not. I was wondering if when we did like Tales of the Slayer, if we got a story about them. Yeah, yeah. It surprised me, but too bad. But yeah, so we, we yeah we found a slayer that forged their own weapons, but we still don't know anything. And um, but she wants to know like what happened, what made those battles special, what made them lose. And Giles reminds her that she didn't lose, but it doesn't matter. She came close, too close, and she recognizes all slayers come with an expiration date. She just wants hers to be a long time from now, like a Cheeto. <laughs> if she can just find out what went wrong, maybe it will help her prevent the mistake she made from happening again. Giles reminds her that many of the final battles aren't expanded on is that after the battle, the Slayer isn't there to talk about it as they're kind of dead. <laughs> well, then why didn't the Watchers keep better accounts? Well, <laughs> if they're anything like Giles, they probably found the whole subject to be too wet, unseemly. Buffy loves him, but those watchers can be dicks. <laughs> and this is where Giles is like, no, <laughs> painful. And that's when I started crying over fictional characters in my office at 8 a.m. on a Friday morning. <laughs> Both because the episode and because I think I messaged you and I know I messaged Rose and I'm like, he was a watcher. He knew she was going to die. That he was going to have to write that. And this is really sad. He had to tell his baby sister. She had a destiny. that was going to kill her. And that's what I was doing at 8am on a Friday morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, usually how things go. Right? <laughs> right. It's usually how it goes. I'm really glad like no one comes into the office because a lot of times I do watch the Buffy episode there and then end up crying over fictional characters at unseemly hours in the morning. I've been watching stuff with jump scares at work and I don't know why oh, I'm uh, doing that, that to myself. That sounds, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> I've been watching I've been watching people play through the Five Nights at Freddy's games. Oh, oh okay. I've watching Dimension 20. So like I, I I've I've managed to uh, perfect jumping but not screaming and uh, i'm like i've <laughs> that could be a buffy line somebody save that for fanfic <laughs> jumping but not screaming oh, i've managed to perfect jumping, jumping but, not, but not, screaming. not screaming that's a that's a xander line right there oh, oh yeah yeah definitely that's xander yeah that is a xander line i have managed to perfect jumping but not screaming <laughs> There is a moment of silence and then Giles says Buffy's right. The details of the battles would be helpful, but there's no one left to tell the tale. Yeah, it's kind of the whole... And and I love uh, how that comes back a couple times in this episode. Um, Like, uh, are are we allowed to jump forward? Yeah, Uh, we can jump forward. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the thing is that like with a number of lines in like the first act and a half here that comes back towards the end um spike uh the uh 
the Slayer uh, during the Boxer Rebellion um, says to, uh, tells Spike to um, apologize to her mother for her. Um, and Spike, in addition to just generally being a dick, I mean, he's a dick. He's a he's a murderous dickhead. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he but he also doesn't he does he really does not speak uh, Mandarin. Um, no, he, he uh, the Slayer has died, and there is no one to tell the story um, mm-hmm. except in exchange for hot wings, apparently. <laughs> find Spike because Buffy realizes that there is someone left who can tell her about at least two instances. So she's going to go, she's going to ram him up against the pillar in one of his crypts and uh, he can kind of tell she's not herself because it doesn't hurt like it normally does. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's when strange. Buffy tells him he killed two slayers. He's going to show her how. And the other thing is, it's like when you think about it, like when you think back to season one, with Buffy and the master, mm-hmm. she died. Uh, she basically died alone. Mm-hmm. She did. So that's what happens. And she would have stayed dead if someone had made Angel get off his ass and go find her. Because Angel was just like, ho hum, guess she's dead. I'll go stalk another girl. And also Xander being there because Angel doesn't breathe. Right? But Xander's a piece of shit. Yeah, this is... <laughs> We have the Xander Defense Squad. One thing I got to mention, because um, we've been talking about spinoff media, is that in the uh, the uh, Dawn miniseries, uh, I think it was called False yes. Memories. Um, yes. They walk through some of the earlier seasons with Dawn there, mm-hmm. as of course she now has been. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she's the one who drags Xander and Angel to find dead Buffy. She saw where Buffy went. And oh, that's she's cool. the, um Oh no, uh, see, I don't know if I like that. I don't know, I like it. I mean, but, I like that like they incorporate Dawn into the meaning. I just that's don't what, like if Buffy had had a ten year old sister in season one, that's what would have happened. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that point. And I do like the incorporation of Dawn. I do like the like where would she have been if she, like, in this new world we've created, because, oh my god, we will talk about this so much in season six, and the argument that comes up in normal again, when everybody's like, well, no, that clearly is, like, Buffy being drugged up, because in becoming, Joyce would have said, no, 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 Buffy was not institutionalized in the original timeline, but in the second timeline she was, because it's Dawn who found her diary. So, Wait, cool, we'll talk about... But, but that also... Okay, never mind. So, Normal Again, the episode in the sixth season that deals with the insane asylum, where Buffy goes between the two places. Mm -hmm. Buffy tells Willow's like, no, this is crazy. You were never in one of those places. And Buffy tells Willow, yes, I was. It was the summer after basically the events of the movie. You know, you start talking about vampires and your family gets creeped out. Burned down And so, like, the whole... So the whole fandom was like, well, that's bullshit because Joyce would have said something in Becoming Part 2. But if you go to the comics that show when Buffy spent the summer there, it's because Dawn found her diary. Dawn got freaked out. Dawn showed it to Joyce. 
So in the timeline when we get to Becoming Part 2, no, Buffy was Neville institutionalized. But in this rewritten world, she was. Uh, so like... Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't... We know a fair amount of um, stuff at this point. I've not as comprehensively read the spinoff stuff. Um, but like... Buffy gets up to a fair amount of multiversal shenanigans with varying amounts of shrimp, but uh, <laughs> it never uh, it never does um, much timeline forking. Um, the only time in the series that I can remember where time is actually turned back is on is in the first season of Angel um, during that very very painful episode. Well, I mean, you also have it with the the the, the trio time loops, Buffy, in oh, season oh, yeah. six as well. Every show but, must do Groundhog I mean, Day. I guess. I mean, I guess it isn't a different timeline. It's just false memories. But I always feel like the well, best way to explain it is the monks created an alternate reality, and so we're now here instead of here where we started. Um, well, I mean, I think I take a more uh, uh, de facto uh, route <laughs> and say that um, uh, that Dawn has always been there, and it is the early seasons which are shown to us with gaps <gasps> in them. Oh, how controversial! <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, I, I like I, it. I hope I'm not being contrarian here, because my role is no, not... No, you're not! It's just that's a very controversial take. I like I, it. I, I, I'm, not, um, I'm not trying to be... The uh, the character that is always needed the uh, the Cordelia the uh, Spike <laughs> the Anya um, you're always the Spike don't lie thanks um, we have we we have a lot of controversial opinions ourselves so yeah apparently like I said, anyway <laughs> I, I am like one of my biggest fandoms maybe my biggest sorry sorry William is uh, Doctor Who. So obviously, <laughs> I am willing to accept many things. Um, oh God! That, um, oh, do you know who my favorite doctor is? Eight. Who's your favorite doctor? Eight. The I... most. The most. Yeah. Multi- is that your favorite doctor, Holly? <laughs> oh no! Yay. No. Eight is my favorite. Eight has my favorite companion, Charlie. Um, I love uh... in his first run of audios. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! I've never met I've never met anyone who is a fan of Doctor Who and go. listened to the audios. Oh, um, yeah. We need to we need to talk. It could maybe be a podcast. Honestly, um, <laughs> I, I am I. So I am woeful. I really have not managed to keep up, but I love the Big Finish audios so. Oh so yeah, much. yeah. No, I'm I'm Chimes I'm of very Midnight much is my a friend Doctor of mine. A friend of mine and I kind of like we we bought we each were buying them so like because you can download them you know we were sharing them back and forth yeah it's been a lot because I used to have I used to have a commute I used to do a delivery run so like I would listen to a lot of the big finish during my delivery run like yeah, I love I, like there's and and Ramana Ramana is one of my favorites and there's a whole series with. <clears throat> With her as president and uh, yeah, uh, uh, Mary. Do you know who plays? So you've got Ramana one, Mary Tam. Ramana uh, two. I, I know where you're going Ward. with this. Uh, Mary, Wait, do what? You, you know who plays Ramana three? Uh, Julia Landau. What? Yep. Yay! Um, and uh, you know who would if uh they ever felt like doing that deep cut be about the right age to play her version? 
on TV, Juliet Landau. Mm-hmm. That is unlikely to happen, but I would very much like it to. Like that that that's Moffat nerdery, not um what any of the other shows. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yes, we we took a whole side. There's a See, this Be is what happens. <laughs> We're an hour and 15 in and getting <laughs> <laughs> to the Bronx. Edit, we'll see what side quests stay. This may just be a very long episode, but that's fine because we're going to talk about the love of my life, William, in a few minutes. Um, oh, yeah, so we're going to go to the bronze. Uh, Spike and Buffy sitting at one of the tables by the stairs. Spike's sorely disappointed by the choice of beers. Uh, Buffy needs him to focus, though. Two slayers, one during the Boxer Rebellion, one in New York. He tells her how he they died. He gets some cash. We thought they died. I didn't. The end. Now pay the up. End. <laughs> um, I mean, like, and, and, uh, Spike is giving Buffy the right answer here. Everything else she drags out of him just makes her feel worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, t- she wants to know what happened. That is the she want- t- too long, did it read version of what happened. Exactly. Like, Buffy, you were the one that wanted to know the gory details. Well, she's the one, like, like. Like, um, the, he gives her the same answer at the beginning and she, at the end, and she reluctantly accepts it, which is one good day. That's all it is. She had one bad night and got stabbed. Thing is, it only takes like one slightly worse night. Um, but then at the end of the season, um, she doesn't die alone. She doesn't die unremembered. Um, this thing that she's been building up in her, you know, deepest fears um, for her entire Slayer career, um, that is not how she goes out, at least not the second time. Um, <laughs> no. um, yeah. Uh, you know, Slayer deaths are like the X-Men. That old trick never works. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, but Buffy, that's what Buffy wants. She wants the details and he says that it's it's not about the fight, but if they're going to do this, they're going to do this his way. Hot wings. Spicy wings. <laughs> <laughs> he wants hot wings. The, the ongoing jokes throughout, um, throughout uh, seasons four through six about Spike and his, um, and his fondness for, uh, for uh, appetizers more <laughs> to a bloom and onion at some point down the road like i wasn't sure whether that was before or after this episode but like i don't remember so one, of, one of the things i like about uh buffy as a show but also spike in particular um is that his uh his violent bad tendencies are pretty much at the same level of strength as his really petty tendencies um oh he loves yeah. petty if if you call him a uh you know if you call him a mass murderer he is also a mass complainer about beer um, <laughs> uh these these qualities are not morally equivalent but in the place they occupy in william's mind and behavior they are exactly the same so yes he wants hot wings. She goes to order them. He sees the wince and he knows that he's right. Something got her. And Buffy tells him not to get excited. No excitement. 
Spike calls bullshit. She wouldn't be like, because Buffy says she's fine. And Spike calls bullshit. She wouldn't be sitting there if she was fine. So he just tell her what she wants to know. And he is not narrating on an empty stomach. (laughs) So she asks, was he born this way? Was he always this big a pain in the ass? One thing you've got to know, Slayer, I've always been bad. (laughs) This transition in the entirety of the show. Oh, oh yeah, that is that is one of the best flashback um, flashback segues of any uh, show I have watched, and I've watched a lot of shows with flashbacks, as I think we all have. I mean, and we've talked we've talked about how this show has so many good segues and so many good so transitions. Many. But this, nothing, nothing this tops best. This. We go from the leather and the advice with that to London. 1880, where our precious little angel baby is uh, sitting in the corner of a party writing poetry. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and it just, it, he's so terribly vexed because he can't find the right word. Yeah, he um, he uh, started as Xander, apparently. Um, except without the, uh, w- without the moral core. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, like, right away, right away, the moment we flash back, we learn some things. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike was not always bad. In fact, he was quite the opposite. Uh, we know the accent he now uses is fake. <laughs> We're going to get into that more. We're going to get into that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, uh, Angel's accent is fake. Like, Well, both- Angel's just lost the accent. I mean, because he's been living in the U.S. so long, he just... It just fades away. And also, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't want to make David have to do that Irish accent. We didn't, and we'll talk about this when we get there. We didn't, two weeks after we became a vampire, decided we wanted to sound like we were a Liverpool dock worker. <laughs> yeah. Like, Angel was, like, Irish for a while, and then he was just like, yeah, whatever, I'm gonna embrace the American. But also, <laughs> it also just goes to show how much of a dramatic bitch Oh, Steve yeah. Is. Because that is the other thing we're learning here. This boy comes from money. Mm-hmm. This is a party of London's elite. He merited an invitation, possibly not even based on him, because it doesn't seem like people like him very much, based on his family. Like, he's a poet. He has the luxury of being a poet. While, as we will learn... I'm... I'm uh... So, this is something I've come back to um, a, couple, uh, okay. a couple of times watching this episode, is... Uh, is William actually among his peers here? Or, uh, yeah. well, no, no, like, or is part of the thing that his, that, um, uh, he's, uh, you know, um, uh, one of those kind of, uh, Bennett types, um, who have money, but who are moving in the circles of people wealthier than. No, them. I, I think these, these are his peers, but because he is the way he is, because like his poetry is not that great, and he is—I mean, maybe they just—they just need a thesaurus. They just because like it's one of those things where yes, like he may be among his peers, but he doesn't fit in with them in the way that he should. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that is. Uh... That's something you could have inferred about the vampires he hangs out with. Um, 
But it's interesting that it's basically been true his entire life. Yeah. Um, oh, just just one more thing. We were talking about the uh, we were talking about the uh, gloriously uh, direct references to other works. <laughs> Cecily. Yes. He has a yeah. crush on a woman named Cecily. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, that that is the other thing we learn right away is that he is he is very enamored with this person named Cecily. We're going to talk more about that when we get to the actual end of this. I mean, we're going to talk about it through the scene, but we're going to talk a lot about like. that particularly when we get to the end of this like entire flashback, because we're going to talk about what we know that we didn't know right here. Yeah. And how the comics play into that and expand on it. Um, So he gets up. So he gets up from his corner. He moves to approach Cecily and comes upon a discussion of some other party goers about how there are disappearances occurring in London. Some think it's wild animals. Some think it may be thieves. What does he think? Now, we, we as the viewing audience know exactly mm-hmm. what is causing those disappearances. Yeah, gangs and PCP. <laughs> London PCP, yeah. exactly. Yes, but, wild, but, wild dogs. There was cocaine. Could have been cocaine dogs. <laughs> but William would prefer not to think of such dark things. I mean, it is a birthday party. I'm with him on that. Uh, he prefers to put his energy into things of beauty. And, you know, for a moment, it looks like Cecily might just be into him. Like, there is a smile that passes there. I clocked that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no, she she invites him into that conversation, not at all reluctantly. Uh, but then, uh, Douchey McDoucherson over here with his, like, mustache, uh, rips William's poetry from his hand. Uh... And he's all like, shall we see what he's been working on? And and William warns him that the ink is not dry. Also, it's not finished. Uh, still, Douchey McDoucherson reads it aloud. It is uh, it is definitely a first draft. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I always tell people, because somebody told me this at one point um, when I was trying to learn to write, essentially. The purpose of a first draft is to exist. Yeah. Yes. Um. That is a that is a lesson I'm getting drummed into my head a lot lately. Yeah, um, it's the one I repeat to people most often, and the one I repeat to myself the most. Like seriously, I do. However, I do like the word effulgent. I, I think that's one of those words that's not used enough. Oh, effulgent mm-hmm. is a great word. It just um, has too many syllables for the bit he's writing. Yeah, it rhymes, but it's too many syllables, and that is the kind of thing that happens with a first draft, especially when you're writing in. Get this dude a typewriter, he would have been famous. Right? Get him for his birthday. Uh, Cecily leaves during the reading once he's, and once he's done, the others all burst out laughing. One party goer remarking that that is actually one of his better compositions. Look, asshole. Another says he's called William the Bloody due to his bloody, awful poetry. And Douchey McDisherson says he would rather have a railroad spike driven through his head. Well, if you close your eyes and wish real hard. I mean that 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 is why I'm calling him uh, uh, dies off screen number one because like yeah it is oh we're gonna find out more about him oh wait is there more about him we're gonna find out more about him yeah we are so uh, taking his poem back William approaches Cecily and William assumes um oh who tells him to go away apparently deleted a line of my notes I do that a lot uh William assumes it's because she's fed up with the others he gets it they're not like the two of them oh dear. (laughs) Uh, uh, William, William, this is not appropriate. 
Um, it is frankly less appropriate than some of the things you will do while... <laughs> no! Uh, no! We are going to get just more inappropriate as this episode goes on. I, but when you I, think I, about when when you think about the bonds of society at the time, no, no, what is coming up in the alleyway is a hell of a lot more inappropriate. No, no, what I'm saying um, is that um, honestly, this is one of the more embarrassing things that William does in the course of the franchise. My poor precious angel. <laughs> Huh, so, yeah, Cecily is like Odair and uh, asks him a very personal question. His poems, they're not about her, are they? Oh, God. Uh, no. they're, they're about how he feels. Yes. But are they about her? At this point, I'm just screaming, not everything is about you, Cecily. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, these are. <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, it's. His response here is actually a pretty decent save from um, having been writing her poetry she doesn't want. Um, Which is like, okay, no, the poems suck, but I want to date you. That's the point. I would like to date you. The poems are just me, you know, uh, hesitating about that. Yeah, because he does. He says his poetry's bad, but they're only just words. He's a good man. And if she could just see him, oh, that's the problem. She does. And he is nothing to her. He's beneath her. Fuck you, Cecily! Damn it, Cecily! I, I mean, it's, it's, she, she's, she's being awful, but also, like, he was not getting the hint. <laughs> um, he was not getting the hint the way Buffy does not get the hint. Oh. She walks away, leaving a heartbroken William who we next see walking alone on a darkened street. And like I said, I do want to, we're going to talk about what happens after he leaves the party in a minute, but I want to get to the end of this flashback because, um, how frick. And I think that sheds a little bit more light on their conversation. Oh, right. Okay. Now I remember. Yeah. That. Um, but yeah, let's finish up. Let's, let's meet the other people and we're going to meet in this flashback. Uh, cause who does William bump into as he's walking away, tearing up his poetry. We don't see their faces. But it's still pretty easy to tell. It's Angelus, Darla, and Drew. Mm -hmm. Uh, This also seems like a great time to remind everyone that there is technically a second part to this episode. Um, It's an Angel episode, Darla. And while Mm -hmm. it does technically focus on Darla's past, it also gives us some of these shots, like the encounter in the streets and the Boxer Rebellion, from Angelus's point of view. Mm -hmm. And honestly... And, and honestly, a couple more uh, William story beats, even though they're not the point of the episode. Yeah, which we're not going to discuss that till we get to Angel, but like, it's good to remember it's there. Yeah. <laughs> Audience people, Mary told me before, uh, or inviting <laughs> me to do this episode that we were going to not talk about Darla. So this is, this is us. Not yes. <laughs> this is us. Not about. Yeah. We do that every time there's a two point episode, but like we remember, we remind people that we're like, we're not talking about angel. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about angel when we get there, but just if you, if you want the complete story, go. Yeah. And sometimes we acknowledge that sometimes we acknowledge things happen like, cause especially like when, when Buffy went to, yeah, went to LA. We can't talk about and, that. And when that yeah. timeline was weird, I'm yeah. still not over the weirdness of that timeline. Yeah, but that's fine. We're past it now. Adam's gone. The initiative can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> <sighs> uh, now alone in an alley, William sits and continues to just tear apart his poetry. 
As he does so, he is approached by Drusilla, who wants to know what terrible tragedy drove him into such a state. William is, as he should be, a little creeped out by this. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, no thank you. He'd like to be alone. (laughs) Drusilla, though, she sees him. He is a man surrounded by fools. Fools who cannot see his glory. She then gets all Drusilla about things, talking about baby fish swimming about. And again, William is creeped out, (laughs) as he should be. William, you are in no position to criticize this woman's poetry. Yeah. He does not want her coming any closer. And if she is a pickpocket, well, she will not be getting his purse. Oh, oh, William. (laughs) She says she doesn't need a purse. That's not where his wealth lies. His wealth lies in his spirit and his imagination. And apparently his imagination is also his penis because (laughs) (laughs) Drew just full on grabs his dick in the middle of this alley. Like, girl, you just met this man. Like, we need to, like... For 10, 10, 15 minutes before we grab his dick, baby. Let's off. let's bring it, let's bring it back just a little bit. Uh, but before William can also be concerned about this, because I feel he was concerned about her ramblings, he'd be very concerned and slightly scandalized by her just helping herself to his anatomy. Uh, <laughs> again, vampires and consent, not really a thing. Uh no, 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 they're really bad about that. Just, you know, pretty much terrible. Drew tells him that he walks in worlds others can't even imagine. And there it is. That has him. Because this random creepy girl, she she <laughs> does see him more than anyone else ever has. But he tries to do the right thing. He tries to go home to the mother until Drew uses the word effulgent. And then, yeah, it's over. He's hooked. So when Drew asks if he wants all she's offering, he says yes. And so she bites him, turning him Ow. into a vampire. Ow. We all know. Yeah, it is not Ow. just to not look fun at all. <laughs> he's, he's in some pain. I and love that because, because like, um, you know, you've got you've got the uh, the history of like vampires uh, cinematically. You've got the you've got the uh, sexy um, kind of reaction to being bitten. And then you have the swoon. Like in the Hammer movies, people just mostly uh, just mostly swoon and pass out when they're being bit. Yeah. Sometimes they scream. Um, William? William just very... <laughs> William remains very in the moment <laughs> and says, ow. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it just... It's a, very, it's a very realistic vision of somebody getting their neck bit. And, and, and like, the other ow, thing ow. is, you know, the thing is, he's not even like, like, he's not even scared. It's just <laughs> like, oh, he, you know, the, oh. he was scared a moment ago, <laughs> but, but here, it, it just fucking hurts. <laughs> this woman's biting his neck open and it hurts. I just, I just want to point out, because I'm still on my hill sitting here that he did not seem particularly surprised when her entire face changed. Yeah. Oh no, that doesn't bother him at Once all. Once again. Look, she we are likes almost like he's seen one before. We are we are me and my we are, Yeah, we are William as a watcher truther. Watcher. watcher. And I'm not contradicting you, but I will also say um that people complimenting your writing um, can uh, can get you past um, <laughs> the uh, them being uh, you know um, horrible shark monsters. That's, that's I don't funny. know. <laughs> that is fair. I don't know if there's an there's enough compliments in the world. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, um, I I had some bad years. <laughs> um, I 
will also let Rose argue with me on this point, even though I will stay on this hill, because it was Rose that at two in the morning, sitting in my old car that is long since dead, uh, told me that it was not Holmes that was the watcher, it was Watson. And uh, I have to give oh, her back, that was a much better way to go. Mm-hmm. 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now that now that I've uh, n- now that I've uh, uh, we were talking about adopted family, I have adopted a brother over the years who is uh, not only a uh, a uh, huge Sherlockian, actually wrote a book on uh, on uh, going oh, through wow. um, going through each of the uh, Doyle uh, home stories, looking at them mainly for what they said about Watson. The title, That's amazing. Of the, book, the title of the book is Watson is not an idiot. I'm going to have to read that. That is a great title. I like uh, that. It's, it's been, it's been a while since I read it, but it was really good. Uh, and, and uh, pretty accessible for someone who, who does not regularly re- reread Holmes. So uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, I definitely regularly reread that Holmes. Is, so. <laughs> uh, that is a uh, horror writer and game designer and inventor of Pugmire, Eddie Webb. And his book, um, Holmes Ooh. is Not an Idiot. Or his book, Watson is Not an Idiot. Oh, I see that, I'm yes. I'm going to uh, everybody, uh, uh, that uh, Eddie made a marvelous game about uh, uplifted dogs in the impossibly far future. Um, it's called Pugmire. You can be a dog with a sword. Um, oh. You know, so, uh, so, like, check it out. Be a good dog. Oh no! I have to find out like right now about this because Jillian's boyfriend is obsessed with pugs. I was and he just made, he made me getting this for Christmas. Yeah, I was just thinking about that for <laughs> you know, Justin. <laughs> like Justin may be getting this for Christmas yeah. along with his Doug the Pug calendar. Um, so there is a comic. Um, it was under the IDW line. It is called Spike Old Times, and in it we get an expanded version of the party scene. Um, plus, we do get more confirmation that Cecily is indeed Halfrick. They are the same oh, entity. okay. That's good. Um, we first get a hint of this next season when she appears in Older and Far Away, but this comic does confirm it. So kind of like Anya had a human persona, uh, so did Halfrick, Cecily Adams. Uh, she set herself up in London society in order to enact vengeance on the Wexler family. And surprise, surprise, Douchey McDoucherson is Thomas Wexler. Oh, wow. Wow, he does not make the right kinds of acquaintances. So his ancestor is the person Halfrek cursed that got her noticed by de Hoffren. Oh. So, yes, she's there. She's in London. She's kicking it. And along comes this poet hopelessly in love with her. She rejects him. He leaves the party. Thomas and his buddies give a few more parting shots to him as he leaves. And about the nickname they've given him, William the Bloody. And William, as he leaves, says something about wishing they were the bloody ones. Wish granted. I reply to work emails with that, uh, you know. Because, <laughs> you know, hey, that helped Halfrick along. Douchey McDoucherson and his line are all doomed to die by their 30th birthday. And so, well, if the cause of death is bleeding from the eyes, so be it. So, so like, this gets a worse and worse curse as medical technology gets better. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Cecily being a demon, I think does shed new light on the whole you're beneath Mm -hmm. me conversation. Yeah. Because she's not mortal. And this poet is cute and squishy, but he's human. um, Like, uh, yeah, um, go get somebody to pop your soul, William. Um, Yeah. 
but what I find really interesting about this, and especially if you if you take the you're beneath me comment in the line of her being a demon, is it directly parallels Anya, mm-hmm. who Anya does like the cute little squishy human boy. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, she had been made human by the time she and Xander hooked up. But she remembers being a vengeance demon. She remembers all the awful things humanity has done. And she's still like this soft little squishy one. I will keep him and he will be my squishy. <laughs> And I, I just, I really like that parallel, especially because we will see how Frick and Anya continue to interact as the series goes on. But yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, they all got taken out and Cecily granted his wish. So obviously she didn't like dislike him that much. So, But he was just a squishy human boy. Well, some, sometimes people ask you to do things that you wanted to do anyway. Speaking of Anya and Xander, we're going to go back to the cemetery. Uh, The gang has spotted our vamp. He's headed to the crypt to drink with his buddies and tell them of how he killed the Slayer. (laughs) Observing this, Riley says there's too many of them. They need to wait and come back in the morning. But it's fine. They can kill them just as dead then. I mean, so so like here again, we see Buffy characters being bad at lying and no one (laughs) questioning them. Yeah. And then we're back to the bronze where the gang really should have gone. They could have attended story hour. I know. Seriously. It's going to be a lot more interesting than watching Riley. Story time with Mr. Spike. Not Xander. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Xander wants to watch Riley. <laughs> uh, Buffy and Spike are now playing pool. As Spike explains how becoming a vampire is more than just moving up the food chain. It's a profound experience. Spike says in being dead, he was living for the first time. No longer was he captive to society's laws. Now he could make his own. But of course, to do that, he had to get a gang. So the way I imagine this episode going is that um, every time Spike makes one of these big covering lies... And then we see how that's incorrect. Buffy has got his number this whole time. She knows mm-hmm. he's talking tough. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she like, 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 she's in these moments. She's looking at him, like, like as he's telling these the this stuff. She's like looking at him, like, okay, yeah. Uh, what happened next, Spike? Sorry, I can't. I can't <laughs> do a. Uh, I can't do a Buffy at all. It's like the worst of my impressions. So uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> like again, um, we get Spike um, trying to tell Buffy like what she's asking, and her thinking there must be a more of an answer. You know, yeah. like um, like he's just finding ways over and over of telling her uh, there is not much of a story here, um, yeah. and she wants there to be because she wants there to be a reason she got stabbed yeah. as opposed to. Um, just that the more, uh, the more stabbing fights you're in, the higher, the higher the likelihood of you getting stabbed approaches one. Um, and, and like, like Spike, um, Spike is trying to spare her here. Like, it's not 100% why he's fucking with her. Um, nor is the fact that he wants to fuck her 100% why he's fucking with her. But like, he is trying to spare her. Um, uh... Spike has a much easier time hurting people physically than hurting them emotionally. Like, he always feels awkward. Stuff is there. <laughs> what? He stuffs William down, down deep, but William's still in there and he doesn't like oh, hurting no, I, people. I, I, Turn it I, off I, I like I, a light I, switch. 
I don't think William's very far from the surface at all. No, William. William. No. William's right no. on right on top. He's just uh, a better poet. He well, and and it's funny, like because you see bits of William, mm-hmm. and it's just Spike is put like it's William. William is being a nerd. Oh, William's such a nerd. Putting on this front, like I am now a big bad vampire, but he's still William. Oh, my precious angel baby. And it's just like, and and it's always like when when he, because like look at how upset he we've seen him be when Drusilla left him. Like he is still this romantic at heart, and that's why like yes. we discuss so often about how you're still who you are. Yeah, yeah. No, he is. He oh. is still in his core. This romantic poet. Yeah. Um. Uh. By this point, and specifically this episode, um, are like the core of my souls are a scam thing. Um, <laughs> uh, like William and Spike, William and Spike are the same dude. He, I mean, um, uh, Buffy's right. He upgraded on the food chain. Um, like he didn't become a different person. The bad things in Spike are. Are were already there in William. It was just that it was resentment rather than throat ripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the good things in William are still sort of in Spike. He just tries to phrase them in ways people won't like. Yeah. Uh, because he is constantly <laughs> trying to prove to the universe that he was not beneath Cecily or any of the other peers in his life that he had that same relationship with. He's got the um, he's uh, got the world's most most slayer murdering case of imposter syndrome. And if I sound like I'm being hard on him here, I am the opposite. I'm saying I really get no, this. No, I don't think you're no, being wait, hard no, on him no, at all. Yeah. No, no, I'm I think it's like, a very like accurate introspective of mm-hmm. who he is. Like, uh, yeah, um, I really, he, he just learned to, um, to be, uh, to move from William being a bad crooner to, um, to, uh, uh, I don't know who the appropriate 60s star would be. Elvis hits wrong for a lot of reasons. Um, but like (laughs) moving ahead from being this, um, attempting to be smooth or charming to attempting to be brash, but it's the same thing. Yeah. William says effulgence, uh, Spike says bloody. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and honestly, splitting up with Drusilla was good for him, like, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It was very good oh, for yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, very good for him. Uh, our two-bit our two bit t- Queen of the Damned is lovely, <laughs> but um, she's, uh, <sighs> she, um, she really does not bring out the best in him, in any sense. No. No. As for, Yeah. We'll see that later on in this episode. I'm not mm-hmm. unsympathetic, um, true, mind you. I just, oh no, like, I don't think anyone oh no. is. We all we all love Drusilla. Like oh, she's yeah. a, she's a yeah. nutcase, but she's our favorite nutcase. Oh yeah, yeah. But like, and if you've ever been put on a pedestal by someone who loves you because they think you're a nutcase, yeah, that can be interesting. And he, and also like he and Drusilla were together for so long. Yeah, like literally. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh. But yes, we are we are back in flashback land, and it is Yorkshire. <laughs> uh, and uh, apparently, uh, uh, William has been uh, 
Oh, no, sorry. Spike. That's Spike. Spike. Here. In a very good... Uh, in a very good bit that I don't think I can properly narrate. Um, but uh, yes, he's Spike now. Uh, yes, he wants he wants Angelus to know that he is Spike now. It's such a teenager thing. Angel may have changed his name because uh, taking after uh, William. Yeah. Also, weren't they both named William? They were. They were named Liam and William. Yeah. Um, yeah these these two dudes have more in common than they would like to admit. Yeah. Oh, they have a ton in common. They have a ton in common. Um, but right now, Angelus, bless him, he is just—he is calling Spike out <laughs> on his uh, his new fake accent. And Darla says they barely made it out of London alive because of him and his shenanigans. And you know, Angelus is like, "Look, we're now in this mine shaft." Like, <laughs> oh, he yeah. comes out. barely made it out of alive. Made it out alive from the uh, from the uh, London where they were uh, where people at like hoity toity rich people parties were talking about the murdering they were doing. Yeah, yeah, that was not William's fault. Uh, you know, this is this is big. I learned it from watching you, Dad. Energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Spike. Like, Spike hasn't been a vampire very long, but he's already going through his teenage rebellion phase. Oh, my God. There's so much teenage rebellion going on right here. Because, you know... And, like, Darla... um, Like, Darla was never especially subtle, either. No. No. Uh, uh, You know, um, it's easy to pick on uh, William because he talks big and because he's the youngest. Yeah. But no, he, he he does start big bloody fights. Big he bloody does. Fights. He wants to uh, brawl. Yes, because uh, that's his whole thing. I mean, like his Mary's so his having whole, <laughs> Mary's yeah, having so his, whole, so his whole thing is like he wants to brawl, right? He's like, we're vampires. We're gonna go out well, there. That, we're gonna have uh, a big brawl. Um, he's drunk. He's a drunk. Yeah, he's totally drunk. He is my brother-in-law who went to Vegas, had a whole yard of Jaeger and Red Bull, and decided that he wanted to fight people. (laughs) That is what this reminds me of. Yeah. He's um, like, yeah, I'm gonna... My brother-in-law is a math teacher in high school. (laughs) I don't think he's ever fought anybody in his life. Uh, Mary, I'm gonna make a little appeal to nostalgia here. Um... Do you oh, okay. Do you remember how um, how one of those lines we repeated endlessly in college was, "You're a vampire, Louis." Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still were- repeat that along with like I had to listen to this for centuries. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the ones I use a lot too, along with replying to work emails with "wish granted." Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, also, also, you'd be surprised how many things that'll kill. Uh, yes. But anyway, you're a vampire, Louis. This is the you're a vampire, Louis scene. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite part of this scene is when, like, Angelus is like, yes, but we have to be, like, subtle and finesse. And Spike is all like, finesse is for the cuffs and collar crowd. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I mean, sir, that was you not 10 days ago. I need you to calm down, sir. Like, yeah, this is this is his teenage rebellion. This is who I am now, dad. 
He's he has a band. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 notice uh, the other thing I want to point out here is that um, is that uh, Drew and Darla are digging it. Oh, Drew and Darla are so oh, yeah. into they it. Are, they are enjoying. They are enjoying this because as, as they get more in each other's faces, Darla's like, "Yes, they're gonna fight," and Drew agrees because the King of Cups expects a picnic, but it is not his birthday. And I just like how Darla's like, and Darla's like, "Yeah." And also, like, also, like, the whole thing, the whole thing is, like, are they, are the boys going to kiss and make up then? Like, are they, is this uh, going to happen? Both, both David and James have said it was a long time and things happen. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, it, it, it certainly did. It certainly did. Um, those <laughs> four were a little bloody cool. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, were. yeah. There's no way they weren't. They were. No, I mean, I, th- I think we're basically meant to understand that. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the show wouldn't drop so many in, uh, interview references <laughs> if uh, yeah. if we were not meant to read the vampires as queer. Not necessarily how in 2023 one would do those things, but this was 1997. 98. 90, 2000. 2000. I don't know. We like upped the like gay to like a million on the new Anne Rice adaption as we no, should. No, 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 that's, that's not what I oh. mean. I, I mean, um, some of the ways in which those of us uh, who wrote vampire stuff used to write about queer vampire stuff. Uh, maybe oh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't always the best. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah um, definitely um, these two guys, I don't know if they're fucking, but they're meant to be dating. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Angela says that, you know, being noticed, that's how you get hunted. And Spike's fine with being hunted. He's even fine with being caught because that's when the fighting happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's nothing logically inconsistent in his worldview. No. So he pushes and Jealous pushes back and then, yeah, it, it's a proper fight. Um, and Jealous looks like he's going to kill him. <laughs> Spike's about it because, you know, does he feel that? Doesn't it feel good? And Jealous done. He is done. Because <laughs> you know what? If Spike won't listen to him, if he can't teach him, then maybe an angry mob will or the slayer what's a slayer <laughs> okay so i i t- i'm typing this up and all i can hear is elf and the what's a christmas gram <laughs> and that's the only way i can imagine that. <laughs> what's a slayer like no this is not something you want stop but oh. yeah that's all that's all i could hear it but very early in the morning um but we go back to present day the pool game continues spike tells buffy he became obsessed for most vampires the slayer is something of nightmares of cold sweat and dread but not him he sought her out because death and glory right sought all else plus he was young yeah so um so a lot of a lot of characters not taking the hints here um (laughs) (laughs) this is nobody takes a hint is the theme of this episode yeah uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, so are we to the flashback now, or? Yeah, so, you know, because Buffy says, how did he kill her? Well, funny, she should ask. Quickly, Spike moves, grabbing Buffy, turning her to face him. Lesson the first. A slayer has to reach for her weapon. He's wearing his. Vampires, they don't fear anything except one girl. Right now, that's her. But back then, it was another girl. And that is when we go to China, 1900, the Boxer Rebellion. Uh, before we get into Jin Rong, the Slayer during the Boxer Rebellion, uh, just what is 
what is the Boxer Rebellion? Um, so the real, real short version, uh, the Boxer Rebellion was an anti-imperialist and anti-Christian uprising that took place from October of 1899 to September of 1901. So they are like literally in the middle of the Boxer Rebellion in this scene. Um, there were many reasons for the rebellion. The main one really was the forcing of Western religion through missionaries unto the people of China. And for once, I think the biggest problem was actually not the British, (laughs) but the Germans who upset Chinese burial sites to build their railroads. I like how you stated for once, it wasn't the British. Well, because usually when there's colonizing going on, it's it's the British. Today, it was not the British. It was the Germans. Not for lack of trying. Yeah. So uh, that that's basically what the Boxer Rebellion is, what they are literally smack dab in the middle of in this scene. So the the village is chaos. Um, everybody's fleeing. There's fires, explosions. And then inside this temple, it is Jinrong and Spike. Is it a temple? I thought it, I thought it was like a storage area of some kind, like, um, no, you know, I, like the back room of the magic. It's a... Uh, it's a Buddhist temple. Oh, okay. Well, well, which makes a lot of stuff that happens at the end of this scene very inappropriate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's good. She's clearly well trained. Her fighting style is exquisite, and yet when she drops her stake, much like Buffy did at the beginning, it gives Spike the opening he needs. He grabs her, pins her, and clamps down onto her neck. And this is what we were talking about earlier. Because as she begins to die, she asks Spike to tell her mother that she's sorry. He doesn't speak Chinese. Mandarin, William. But that was just not one of the languages he learned, okay? <laughs> the best part is, is this boy can probably speak like Arabic and Latin, but he can't speak Mandarin. I, I am. Or he was just being a dick. That's uh, possible too. I think it's established that he uh, that he uh, reads Latin. Um, not in any way surprising, but I think it is established at some point. He does read Latin. This is a this is where I started to build my case because he's like going over to Giles's bookshelf and being like, "This book, flip, 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 Latin, Latin, Latin." Here's the thing. I'm like, "How do you know that? How do you know what's in that book? How do you know where to look for this stuff?" Ooh, I see. I see what's going on. This is this is literally what I built my theory on is the fact that he does all that. Oh yeah, no, he knows his way around an occult library. He drains her. He drops I'm her. For, I'm looking for an innuendo there, and I don't really have a good one. So just let me say that I think there should have been one there. Uh, Okay. It is noted. Um, As he drops her to the ground, he says a bloke could get used to this. Drew looks amazing here. Mm -hmm. The hair, the earrings, the high neck of the white lace dress. This might be one of my favorite Drusilla looks. Oh, it's it's a really good one. Yeah. It's just, it's, oh, it's gorgeous. Um, she sees Spike, sees the body, and she knows immediately what he's done. He's killed a Slayer, naughty, wicked Spike. She probably knew that before she walked in. She's Drew. Oh, she absolutely did. Yeah, he's killed her. He's not sorry. In fact, he asks Drew if she's ever heard that the blood of the Slayer can be a powerful aphrodisiac. <laughs> Giving her a taste of the blood off his finger, he grabs her, and yeah, they have sex in a Buddhist temple next to the body of a dead girl. I mean... They're vampires. They don't. I mean, we started this relationship grabbing dicks in alleys. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, like, what what was I expecting? Yeah. um, Yeah, that's. uh, 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 (sighs) (laughs) It's the kind of thing that um, that might got that might get them driven out of town if there weren't a more important war going on. Yeah. Yeah. But then I also like how they're just walking through 
like everything's on fire. People are running and they're just doing the dramatic, yeah. the dramatic walkthrough. The right walk, walk or, the res- or the reservoir dogs walk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, it's amazing that they're doing the Reservoir Dogs walk because the whole end of this episode oh, yeah. mm-hmm. is a nod to Reservoir Dogs. Um, yeah, and I'm just going to say that the Angel episode that we're not talking about does a <laughs> wonderful thing with this sequence. So, that's all I'm going to say. So I do want to touch on that a second because yeah. there is a thing because we get the date, right? We see that it is China 1900. And when Drew and Spike go back outside, they do run into Darlin Angel. Drew says that, like, Spike killed a slayer. There's something that goes across Angelus's face. And he tells him congratulations. And, you know, Spike thinks he's upset because he missed out on it. He tells him, don't be so glum. One slayer dies, another rises. Wait, he sees it. There's a new girl getting all chosen. He'll give him the first crack. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Drew moves past him. She stands at Angelus's shoulder and she says she smells fear. And they're like, yeah, well, this whole place stinks of it. We're bored. Let's go. And there is. There is that epic shot. They're going through the fire. They're (laughs) so badass. It's amazing. But the date. And if you're watching this, you're going, but this isn't right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we all had that moment. In 1899. Mm -hmm. He should not be Angelus. But then you get to the Angel episode and it explains it. And I do think that is, like you said, that is an Mm -hmm. amazing thing that it does also sadly we don't really know anymore about jen wrong um we don't know who her watcher is or how long she was the slayer oh she didn't get the tales of the slayer or anything no i checked i was hoping because like she was featured that we would but we didn't we don't we don't know anything about her that's too bad i would have expected something to have filled in she had that big everyone wants to know about her thing when uh, the episode came out. I would have thought that um, some of the spinoff media would have gotten to it. Yeah. The cool thing is, is that the girl who played um, Jin Rong comes back in the season finale and plays one of the girls made into a slayer by Willow Spell. Oh, I see. So we that. do that see the cool. actress again. Um, according to Spike, this was the best night of his life. And he's had a couple sweet ones. Buffy is disgusted. He got off on it. He's lying. This is that I am pretty sure that as that he is proud of that rather than it actually having been one been the best night of his life. Okay, no, I can see that because the stuff around it is pretty shitty. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like he does not have a good night overall. Um, yeah. but anyway, sorry, I'm I'm being picky. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, um, you got off on it. What, like you don't? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I'm sorry I'm doing the voice. It's hard for me to not do that because no, it's I'm fine. a very broken girl. Do it. Do it. Then I don't have to. It's great. <laughs> then we, we'll see. We'll see what Kevin thinks of, of your spike versus my spike. Obviously, your spike is superior. It's I not think even he, a thing. I think also he likes your spike because he knows you. <laughs> That's fair. He likes, I can't wait for him to hear my little uh, glory uh, freak yeah, out. I can't, Which, yeah. Holly says I deserve an Oscar for that you one. You do. Your, your glory freak out was, was beautiful. Yeah, but we know, we know from the conversations with Faith that slaying can be a very horny experience. And Spike just, you know, turns around and calls her out on that. I mean, like, uh, it's a very ex- horny experience, but also these are very horny people. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, and I, like, let's let's all notice Buffy does not disagree when he says that she also gets off on it. No, she sort of files that for later. 
She's like, yes. I am. I need to think about that, but not right now. Um. Uh. Yeah. Um. Honestly, this is. You know, this is actually. Uh, Buffy being a very horny show about a very lot of murder. Um, <laughs> this is it's actually a horny show about serial killers. Also, it's like it's it's a it's a basically a teen early twenties series so everybody you know is in their hormones at this point so. i'm not saying it's not accurate um <laughs> god knows there's a reason i was attracted to it um, <laughs> oh and i could write a book on that um i i definitely could um but uh anyway uh, the, th- the point i was going to make though is that there are very few times um, where someone says something like that to, um, Buffy, and she's actually like, oh, um, yeah, actually, maybe. Um, like, and she only says it because she's, you know, uh, thinking about things with this guy, you know. Um, uh, anyway, so, uh, but, like, that is, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm being pervy here, but, like... (laughs) That is an incredibly important statement uh, in their relationship and in general in terms of the characters. It's another thing where William is doing the truth-telling from the outside, which he will very quickly after this become unable to do because he'll be on the inside, and then Anya starts getting more of that. Um, Yeah. uh, Because, like, seasons one through six, you've got the mean truth-teller on the outside. Um, Firefly yeah. has Jane. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a staple of uh, the genre, really. Even not even j- not just the the franchise. Um, it's like after after Buffy, every show has one of these um, has one of these uh, needling characters. And it's also not like Buffy invented that. But I, anyway, I, I I'm highlighting it because this is one of the last times that Spike is that person. Is it? <gasps> yes. Not also, the absolute no. last time, but one of the last times. Okay. Well, I mean, but we get a very interesting, like, talking about being the truth teller. We get a very interesting thing with Spike at the end of the season, where he is the only person who knows about the Ben Glory deal. Right. Because whatever's going on, he's immune to that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's very, like, so it's interesting to talk about him being the truth teller, the one on the outside who sees and says these things. And that's literally what he is at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. The Shakespearean fool was what I was reaching. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. He is our Falstaff, or our, as Eddie Izzard likes to say, Shaggy and Scooby. Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Shaggy and Scooby. Uh, so Spike does ask, how many of her kind has she done in? Not enough. Spike says there are hundreds, thousands, all hoping for the same thing. One good day. <laughs> what? She asked. See, her problem is she's gotten so good, she thinks she's immortal. Hardly. She just knows she can handle herself. Really? Then how does she explain this? He goes for the wound, causing both him and her pain. So that's it. Buffy assumes the little display in the is the end of Spike's cooperation. These, uh, this, see, this is actually kind of back to the petty Spike thing because <laughs> he's willing to uh, really hurt himself in order to prove himself right yeah. in this argument. 
Like at this he point, not, he will be right. In, 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 in a few oh, minutes, sorry. he's in, in a few minutes. He's genuinely angry. Like, you know, the next scene, but like here, he's really just trying to prove he's right. Yeah. Such a petty bit. So yeah, Buffy, <laughs> Buffy <laughs> thinks this is the end of his cooperation. Lesson over. Not even close. Follow him. So it turns out Riley is a bit of a liar, liar, crips on fire. <laughs> because, well, I mean, because he does not wait for morning. <laughs> no, Riley does not want to get the rest of the Scoobies killed. No, but he also does not care about ordinance codes because, yeah, he just takes a grenade and lobs it in there and well, no, bam. Yeah, he's he's there, like he's in there, and With he's just standing much. there, and he drops it and runs, and they just like hang out. Well, there's not much they, they can start do. to run. Even with vampire strength and speed, uh, there's really not much. I really you can... feel bad for the caretaker. Oh, all of those caretakers! That's a new. That's a new character for our side character. Oh yes, we need to start doing those. Like our our Sunnydale High Guidance Counselor. Yeah, <laughs> and Joe the Vampire. And Joe the Vampire, who gives everybody their welcome packets. Yeah. <laughs> who now is mayor of Sunnydale? We decided. Because somebody has to do it. Somebody has to be. It's still a voting district. It is. It may be a gigantic crater. Um, but it's still, it's still a voting district. It, it, but it's still a voting district close to LA. That's right. But yeah, so we're back. We're outside the bronze. Buffy and Spike are sparring and apparently not caring who sees because they are literally right outside the doors. You, like, know, you can see the sign over Buffy's shoulder. The town is used to it. The town is very used as to it. As long as they're not a target, people don't care. Buffy Buffy has done far more worrying things right outside the bronze. Like <laughs> That's true. The owners are glad she, uh, are glad she took it back there instead of fighting Blondie Bear on the pool table. <laughs> <laughs> Blondie Bear. Like like she has seriously wrecked that place. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care as long as she takes it outside. If, if the summer's kid and uh, and uh, uh, ooh ooh, uh, damn it, I don't knock have a good off one. Billy Idol. Knock off Billy Idol. Um, uh, God, I really should have a good one. Um, the thin white dick, let's call it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, anyway, point is, if she and the guy who doesn't leave large enough tips. I'm just gonna go out back and like <laughs> and like punch and swing a few things and like not actually damage anything. Management's fine with that. <sighs> so Buffy wants to know how he killed them. She's not ready. She is. They spar some more, and Buffy realizes Spike isn't in pain. No, because he's not trying to hurt her. Chip only kicks in when there's an intention to harm, which he demonstrates. Yeah, by hurting himself. <laughs> Doofus. Uh, so Buffy puts him on the ground. How did he do it? Throwing her off of him. And he says something like this. Buffy rolls, but it's Nikki we're with at the end of the shot. Nikki Wood, to be exact, fighting Spike on the subway in 1977 New York City. Spike has now fully embraced <laughs> the punk rock look. Torn tank tops, safety pins, blonde spiky hair. He has gone full on Billy Idol. Um, the fight switches between the past and the present, and Spike tells Buffy the difference between the two Slayers. The first was all business, but the second, she had a touch of Buffy style. And this is what we were talking about earlier about Reservoir Dogs, the whole, like, going back and forth, the voiceover, it was very much inspired. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I think David Fury directed this one. 
Um, Probably. Yeah. Um, and I am not uh, a. Uh, no, this is Nick. Nick Mark. Oh, okay. But Doug Petrie wrote it. Doug Petrie wrote it. Yeah. Okay. That that tracks. I just okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So I was going to make a comment about the directing, but no, the directing is just good. I have no thesis. It is just good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a. This is really uh, one of the uh, one of my favorite fight scenes. Um, oh yeah, the, the brawl in the subway car, um, Spike uh, ripping down one of the uh, one of the holy poles um, as to use as a weapon. Um, I, I mean, it's a really good fight scene. Yeah. And I mean, Nikki's kicking his ass. She's slamming his head through the windows. He doesn't care. He's loving every moment of it. He's probably he tells Buffy she was cunning, resourceful, hot. He could have danced all night with her. He thinks they're dancing. That's all they've ever done. That right there. Great line. Great line. And so is the little monologue that follows. Because as we see Spike advance on Nikki with a broken off pole, he says the thing about the dances, you never get to stop. Day in, day out, you wake up every morning with the same question on your mind. Is today the day I die? Death is on your heels and sooner or later it's going to catch you. And part of you wants that. Not because it will stop the fear or uncertainty, but because you're a little bit in love with it. We see Buffy hit Spike, Nikki hit Spike. She gets him on the ground, but one tunnel later and he's flipped them. He has Nikki on the ground and is choking her. Death is their art. You make it with your hands day after day. That final gasp, that look of peace. Part of you is desperate to know what it's like. Okay, this shot. This shot, Spike on his knees mm-hmm. in front of Buffy. It is perfection. No notes. And him giving him giving the speech in the past, but talking mm. to Buffy. Yeah, it's Yeah, that is that it, it's it's a really good scene. Just just all told. It's really well shot. Um it's uh, it's edited very well. I think when I compliment these things, I don't compliment the editing often enough. The editing is excellent. The editing is perfect. Mm-hmm. Where does it lead you? You see, that's the secret. Not the punches you didn't throw or the kicks you didn't land. She merely wanted it. Every Slayer has a death wish. And with that, we're back on Nikki as Spike breaks her neck. Even you. As present day Spike rises up and past Spike helps himself to Nikki's coat, the <laughs> famous leather duster, he tells her that the only reason she's lasted this long is she has ties to the world. Mom, Brat Kid's sister, Scoobies, they all tie her there, but they're only putting off the inevitable. Sooner or later, she's going to want it. And the second, the second it happens, you know Spike will be there. He'll slip in, have himself a real good day. Here endeth the lesson. Note that this happens differently, but definitely. Um, Because, you know, a year later, um, Buffy's going to think that life sucks and will forever. Um, And that's when she's going to, like, go, uh, yeah, um, William, you know, Kiss. You're gonna slide on in. <laughs> uh, slide on in. Exact. Wow. How did I not? Exactly. <laughs> Tell you. Um. Uh, but like, yeah. Um. And it, it's both a nice. Uh. It, it, it's sort of 
leads into that, but also, you know, this is, as other things in this episode, significantly foreshadowing um, how this season is going to end. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, and also here, end of the lesson, as we all know, that is a repeated phrase throughout the series. And this is, I believe, the second time we hear it. Um, Buffy doesn't like this lesson, doesn't like the truth Spike is laying down. But because, like we're saying, Spike is a truth teller, whether Buffy wants to admit it or not, there is truth to what he is saying. Of course, she's also pissed because he's being Spike about the whole thing, uh, asking if she thinks she'll like it as much as the last one did. That's it. He needs to go. He, he needs to go now. What? She afraid? She's the Slayer. Do something about it. He tries to goad her into hitting him, getting closer and closer until until he's right up in there and bends down as if he's going to kiss her. <laughs> William! And she's like, William! Yeah, he, 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 he definitely bad move there, William. But also, like, uh, Buffy's, like, Buffy's got the look on her face. What? What the hell? Wait. Yeah. I thought this was a murder thing. <laughs> yeah. She steps back. We, She's completely we, horrified. Were you? I mean, no, no. I I meant literal stabbing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he knows she feels it. Knows she wants to dance. Say it's true. Say she does. It won't be him. It will never be him. Pushing him down and away from her, she tosses the money she promised at him. He's beneath her. Bitch. Oh. Okay. One. One. I want us to remember this conversation. We're going to hold it in the back of our vaults until we get to season six, because I think this is going to be a really relevant conversation somewhere. <laughs> Two, my my heart hurts when he starts to cry. Yeah, and uh, I don't think Spike cries uh, elsewhere. No! Um, except, no! Except <laughs> when the first is tormenting him with, like, every thing the first with his complete internet history um can uh, come up with um uh, but the other well, okay thing so is- he cries then he cries three times in the series he cries here he cries when he sees buffy's body oh oh yeah and he cries at the first and i think those are literally the only three times we see spike cry uh but th- the other thing i want to note here is that we see spike confused angry brokenhearted and not wanting to think that but do you know what he does? He starts picking up the money. Yeah, well, yeah, he's going to get his money. <laughs> she offered like... him a hundred bucks, maybe less. Because, like... <laughs> uh, he needs to pay for some, like, conciliatory hot wings. Right, that's what I'm saying. Um, this is this is 2000 Um, So however much money she left him is probably, let's say, three appetizers or tips in an entree. Yeah, he needs that. He needs the money. This man has no job and can't very effectively steal. No. Uh, Though we do find out a couple episodes earlier, he's gotten very good at, like, scaring people and making them drop their wallets. Yeah. um, He tries to rub Anya that way mm -hmm. and it doesn't work. Yeah. I I mean, like... (laughs) But he's he's also a bit... um, triggered by that phrase oh yeah this is and um he uh he's gonna go kill her because <laughs> fuck that bitch um he he's gonna he's she's she doesn't need a death wish because he's gonna kill her um harmony looks super cute by the way oh, yeah. uh, i love her little uh black denim dub- jumpsuit we will see cordelia wear that jumpsuit later on angel 
I, you know, I didn't remember that. But she is going to try and talk Spike out of doing something that will end with him getting killed. Because Buffy's the Slayer and she's going to kick his ass. I love Harmony. Uh, well, his two barrels. I, I, I mean, <laughs> Harmony Harmony is completely right here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is. I mean, he thinks his two barrels will make a difference. But um, Harmony's like, how, how are you even going to do it? Because he'll be in pain and he couldn't kill the Slayer before he had a chip. And that's going to take us to South America in 1998 with Drusilla questioning why Spike couldn't kill Buffy. And he doesn't get it because Drew is the one who keeps bringing her up. He hasn't mentioned the Slayer since they left California. <laughs> She's on the other side of the planet. But Drusilla can see her. I love the I love the chaos demon standing there very awkwardly. Oh my god, that poor awkward chaos that demon! That poor guy. I, I I love the way this the the, the way both um, this is written and the way it's shot. Um, mm-hmm. Where uh, just all of a sudden there's another person in the scene. Yeah, there's been yeah. the scene with only two characters. Uh, there are a couple. <laughs> uh, there are a couple uh, extras in the background, but like at, not many even. Um, but there, the scene is a conversation between these two characters, and then you do this thing, um, which you can't do on the stage. You can do it in text or on TV, but it, you can't do it on the stage. Just yeah. Boom! Here's this other guy who's tall mm-hmm. and wide and antlered <laughs> and dripping with slime. He, he he's this incredibly, um, he's this incredibly <laughs> conspicuous guy, but because of the magic of television. He's a surprise. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite. Like, I love I love live, you know, live theater. But I also love the magic of film mm-hmm. because you can do things like that, where all of a sudden you see a different another character who they are not to be missed. But because you're framing it in a certain way, you don't know he's there until they until they throw it in your face. Yeah, you yeah. do it in text sometimes if you approach it correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, certainly, this kind of thing is one of the lessons I learned uh, narratively from being obsessed with Buffy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this poor guy, he's standing there while Drew is like, you're obsessed with the Slayer. She's all around you. Why can't you push her away? And he's like, I did all this for you. And Drew's like, no, no, you taste like ashes now. And yeah, that poor guy, like, he's like, I just, I didn't know she was with anyone. I didn't know she had a boyfriend. She was flirting with me. But Drew says that she looks at Spike and all she can see is the Slayer. Notice that Drew does not um, challenge that Spike did those things for her. Mm -hmm. No. She's not sniping at him um, jealously. She's just kind of sad that she's losing him. Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah. like, uh, and at this point, she may or may not um, realize, uh, she may or may not know that angels come back. She may well think <laughs> yeah. that her friends, Darla, mm-hmm. Liam, uh, gone. Um, and that weird old guy who turned to Darla, also gone. Um <laughs> So, like, this is kind of a hard place for Drew to be in saying, uh, Spike, we gotta break up because yep. you're into somebody else. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I do tend to 
look at things from Drew's perspective sometimes. I'm very fond of her. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good no, perspective. It, especially because, um, I mean, um, this is the, you think, this is the, uh, on the surface, she doesn't seem to know anything, but she is telling the truth thing. That, again, mm-hmm. we're talking about Spike generally doing on the series. Um, you've got this, uh, it, it, like, anyway, I just, I, I feel for Drusilla here because she is having a conversation that she does not want to be having. And she very much is. And he's getting very upset and not understanding at all what she's saying, which uh, is pretty obvious, honestly. Like, uh, if Liam were saying the same thing to him, he couldn't be much clearer. Yeah. No, he couldn't be. But like, this is just, uh, yeah, you need to Go back to California, work some shit out, um, and, uh, uh, yeah, um, they're going to invent something called MySpace in a few years. Tag me. Um, <laughs> oh. Up eight. Um, Spike and social media. That's a, oh. that's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, 2003. He might not have gotten as much, like, um, blood drinking done if he had had uh, better... Uh, you know, uh, more addictive internet access. <laughs> oh, oh, Spike. Um, all right, so we go to Buffy's. Buffy enters her mom's room to find her packing, though she originally went in there to tell her about the grocery list. It's really hard to ignore the suitcase on the bed. Is she okay? Ooh, symmetry. <laughs> uh, where is she going? Joyce was hoping to put this off. Till when? Like, that's my question. Was she just going to sneak off to the hospital and then call Buffy? Like, what the fuck, Joyce? People are not making good decisions. No one's making good decisions today. Joyce Joyce puts off a lot of conversations. She does. But, you know. This goes back to to everybody not communicating with each other. No. No, it's, 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 um, (sighs) it's both frustrating and, you know, one of the reasons it's great. Yeah. Let's see, trauma, found, found family, lack of communication, despite talking a lot. No, there's not any reason this stuff uh, resonated with us. Not in any mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so it turns out the nothing she's been dealing with, it might be something. She's going to stay overnight at the hospital for observation, let them do a CAT scan. It, this is scary news. And it shows on Buffy's face. But Joyce tells her it's fine. It's just one night. If they didn't see it before, then even if it's something that's very early, Buffy knows. And she knows her mom will be okay. Or so she tells Joyce. The state she exits the house in, that's a different story. Buffy's terrified, more so than she has probably ever been. And there are tears in her eyes as she takes a seat. A moment later, she is full-on sobbing, even as Spike approaches. A uh, 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 thing I want to point out about how this, uh, about how Geller plays this is that this is this is back to season one Buffy emotional vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it is. You know, so much of season five is about Buffy having a certain category of her shit together um, at the beginning of the season and going forward through this. Um, and then, you know, and in the same way that Dawn is going to be aged by uh, by losing her mother, 
Buffy is just put back to um, a life of saving the world did not prepare me for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know, you know, that's that's kind of a useless word to use, but I used a lot human. Uh, this is like, this is, this is how it is, you know, like, I mean, that's not just me, right? You just kind of like, you can, no, it, you, you can yeah, be yeah, like big confident girl. And then just all of a sudden, like, I don't know. The, yeah, and I, it's, it's like you're reaching and like, no matter how old you are, like we're reaching an age now where like I had uh, like a good friend of mine, her dad passed away. Another Mary's dad passed away. Mia's like, mom. Like, it's like... I didn't know about your dad, Mary. I'm sorry. Well, it's okay. It's a long story. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, it was It was a long... Yeah, and like... And then like I, like, I saw on Facebook that my friend's dad passed away, and then I scrolled down, like, five posts later, another friend's father-in-law passed away. So it's just like... And no matter how old you are, it, like, it takes you back to... Like when something happens to my mom, like I, I feel like a little kid again. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that, yeah. And that's what, that's what Sarah Michelle Geller is doing perfectly here. Mm-hmm. Like this is one of those 100% plausible Buffy Summers. This is why she's the star. Uh, moments. Mm-hmm. And, and again, great. Like I, and I've said, we've said through the, our entire recording of the, the series is Sarah is such an amazing actress, you know, like she can portray all these different emotions and everything. And especially when it comes to the very human moments, everything is so realistic. Yeah. And, um, and without her presence being flexible in that way, um, there would not be a seven seasons and licensing agreements show. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, other things on the show could have misfired, but Sarah Michelle Geller being a uh, being a uh, performer with a wide range of believable, aspirational, mm-hmm. and way too fucking relatable. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's what makes the show the show. Yep, it is. But yeah, oh, this end scene. So. Oh yeah, one of the best scenes in the series. Mm-hmm. So Spike approaches, climbing through her bushes, gun in hand. He cocks the gun, and she lifts her head, tears still going, making little tracks down her cheek. What does he want now? Seeing her, his demeanor instantly changes. What's wrong? What can he do? I I, I, lo- I love this moment. I love mm-hmm. how you just you watch him crumble for her. She's upset, yeah. and all he wants to do is make it better. His own plans be damned. Yeah, and like here is the person that he considers his enemy. And you know, he is ready, he's ready to kill her. He's ready to use that shotgun, but he sees this moment of vulnerability and he again realizes that he doesn't hate her as much as he wants to. Actually notice notice the nouns he uses. He doesn't say anything about killing Buffy to harmony. Mm-hmm. He says he's going to kill the Slayer. Yeah. When he actually, yeah, can, he can very much want to kill um, the person who's kicking his ass, but mm-hmm. and humiliating him on the regular for like three to four mm-hmm. years at this point, because um, <laughs> we don't know exactly <laughs> how time progresses. She does. Um, mm-hmm. Between four and five, 
but like uh, but like he actually you know at some point um he knows uh he sees her as a person and other emotions be damned uh oh nice uh, other emotions be damned he can't actually shoot a person he likes mm-hmm you know, even before we get to the thing that he really has not worked through about having sex dreams about Buffy, um, and the, <laughs> and the obvious amounts of reasonably deliberate flirting that they've done, but like, mm-hmm. um, you know, he can, he can, uh, he can, uh, load a shotgun, um, to kill the Slayer, but Buffy, he just kind of wants to help. Yeah, but I mean, I think this. I think this goes back to like everything we've been talking about, and the fact that he just he just sits there with her. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't force her to say anything. He's there if she wants to talk. He's there if she doesn't. He just puts her like he just puts his hand on her, and I think this just this speaks to the good of the person William was. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the core of who he is. And at his core, who he was is, like, he he was not a drunkard getting syphilis from pattern wrenches. (laughs) No, he wasn't. He was a good Mm -hmm. man. He was a good person. And that is all still inside him. And, I mean, that's the judge. The judge said that he and Drusilla reeked of humanity. Spike has never stopped being human. Ah, see, um... Oh, did I, I did I say something? No, I look I look at it a little differently. Um, okay, which is that um, I don't think this is um, this is William's goodness at all. Um, this is Spike, like growing as a person. He's not going back to his roots. He's like okay. He's like gradually improving here. Um, like he won't like have to full out uh, full on confront stuff until uh until the first um deeply fucks with his mind in Mm. season seven um but like spike's learning to be less awful here he's (laughs) um and maybe um i mean it's because the way the rest of this season unfolds um, we don't get a lot of specific stuff. Like, it becomes less of a spike season the further it goes, because there's so much else to well, do. Well, yes. Uh, we, we have so important. many things to do. Um, but the thing is, no, this is Spike growing as a person. Um, uh, William was a good man, but had never really been called upon to make any kind of decision about uh, oh, no. uh, 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 about wh- whether to be good or bad. Whereas Spike is a guy who has fucked up for a hundred years um, and is learning that, you know, maybe there are at least a few people he actually likes and should be nice to. <laughs> um, and we're... What? And, and, we're gonna, and one thing we're going to say... Uh, uh, in this season and uh, also a lot in seven is um, that Spike cares about Buffy to the point that he learns to care about the others. Um, 
like he he always kind of kind of vibes with Xander. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, they're nerds. They're nerds 120 years apart, but they're nerds. Yeah. Um, uh, Spike and Xander kind of get each other socially speaking. Um, this is also why when Spike goes to threaten the trio in season six, he doesn't know what any of the action figures are, but he instinctively knows to grab an action figure that is a uh, first edition Boba Fett. Like, so anyway, but the point is- I Spike think they and- also talk about Doctor Who at some point. Yes. Yeah, but the point is, Spike and Xander kind of get each other. Spike and Willow oh, yeah. look at each other like alien oh, beings. Um... Uh, well, Spike and Spike and Willow have their own thing, and I really, really like that. This is one of the things the sequel novels have done—the ones that are about Willow's daughter, mm-hmm. because Spike says that he has a soft spot for Little Red, just like he's always had a soft spot for Red, and we see that he couldn't bite her; he cries on her shoulder, like. Spike and Willow have this weird, odd friendship thing. I'm not saying they're not friends. I'm saying that they don't have much in common. Uh, okay, there we go. Uh, whereas with Xander and Buffy, there are different things that um, that uh, he has in common with each of them. But that really, the whole reason Spike learns to give a shit um, about um, the Scoobies and then probably sort of by extension of the Scoobies, um, the world, is because at this point, he starts, it, it, through this process, he starts feeling seeing Buffy as, like, a person. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a completely formed thesis here. But, like, I think this is... <laughs> what I'm saying... Cut You're this doing however, pretty good, though. Cut this however you need to. Um... Spike Spike gets really excited about killing Slayers. Yes, um, he does. But Buffy, uh, he wants to be people with. He wants to be people. Um, you know, um, he wants to date. He's rather upset when the having sex in season six does not turn into dating. Um, he is. Like, uh, And also, like, he really just had only one girlfriend in... Oh Over yeah, a hundred yeah. years. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, uh, and she was Drew. Drew is not a very easy person to be involved with. Yeah. Uh, no. I know. I was taking her perspective, uh, but you know, I also see his. Um, she, you know. Um, uh, so yeah, um, uh, Froggy's right here. Um, uh, like one girlfriend, um, not a bad thing, but also not a thing that, um, that prepares you particularly well for the entirely different person you develop a crush on after that breaks up. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no, like- I mean, he's had two girlfriends. <laughs> he, he dated Harmony. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, no, no. I think I think Harmony and Spike went out. I mean, so yes, okay. there was, there was they, a lot, and there was a lot of sleeping together. Yeah, but like, I don't think um, even Harmony. Um, 
Like, even from Harmony's perspective, I don't think that was ever really working. No. And I they, mean, we, we they were talked about to, that when Harmony were to do each other. Her own. They hooked up. Uh, they, they did, I would say, date a little bit. But it really doesn't last long because they don't have a lot in common. Um, Harmony, for one thing, is way more sanguine about blood drinking. You don't quite <laughs> see it yet. But... Um, uh, but Harmony, uh, Harmony ultimately less ha- has fewer moral qualms than William by the time they get to the end of their respective journeys in the in their shows. This is true. She is maybe not a criminal on the scale that he is, but she, <laughs> no, definitely uh, not. But she, uh, I mean, what? She's a she's an office assistant, office manager. Um, yeah. but she's an evil <laughs> office manager. Um, she is. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I actually have a whole thing I could go on about that, but this is not about Angel. It is not about Angel season four. And it is about, <laughs> not. It, it is, it, it is about one of my favorite moments in the series here, which is this, um, first moment of intimacy between Buffy and Spock. Yeah, it's, <sighs> So this is a scene that I really wish we have gone back to or that we expanded on. And I understand. I understand the answer is they had not decided that yet. Mm -hmm. But here's Buffy upset that her mom is dying and Spike's been there. His mom was sick. He took care of her. Mm -hmm. This is a shared life experience moment. And we could have could have had it all. Could have had it all. Could have. They could have talked about their shared life experience. And again, I know, I know the answer is they hadn't decided that part of Spike's backstory yet. Oh, but, oh. but Spike doesn't do it here. Spike doesn't say it here because he doesn't want to be talking over her. He understands that now is not the time for banter or his life story, which he's been telling there for four hours. He's being, uh, he's being very, he's being very, uh, he, he I can't where the thing he he's letting yeah he's letting buffy be sad he doesn't he's not making it about himself right he's giving her space um, okay uh because you know um he, he's willing to talk tough and fake punch and be real mean to get a hundred dollars and uh possibly you know something undefined emotionally that he's that that he uh once but like here no this isn't a spike thing this is a buffy thing and he's just Mm -hmm. gonna sit here and i love um the uh the three quarters angle on him patting her awkwardly yeah uh because i i do love that though there there it would have been a pretty good shot from the front that would have made a good emotional point if you just saw his arm you know, implicitly on her back. But we actually see him like, Pat, he doesn't know how to pat anyone. Um, you know. Um, <laughs> he does not. Uh, ha- has has uh, William ever patted someone who wasn't desperately ill, like Drusilla or his mother, in his life? Like, Probably ba- not. <laughs> basic human physical gestures are kind of new to this dude. Um, oh, my poor William. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, this, this, this poor fucking bitch. And I say bitch, that is, 
that is that is not a uh, misogynistic slur. Oh that, no, it's out of love. Uh, well, well, hold on. Um, it is not a uh, genericized slur about femininity. It is Spike. I am calling you out as a lady. Um. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so as they sit there in silence, we fade to black. The end. That is a really good ending. It's it's it's, it's, it's one of the strongest the in the better. series. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's uh, one of my favorite endings. Just all of everything about this episode, I love. I love so much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. Well, that is it for this week. Uh, we have we have rambled so much about <laughs> our favorite blondie bear. Um, thank you all for listening, and thank you, Rose. Thank you for joining us. Um, well, it's, Rose it's, will be back. It's as- been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I would. I would love to come back uh, uh, if if they want to have me, as actors always say. We yes, um, I mean we would definitely want to have you back, but you have also so graciously and probably naively uh, agreed to run a one shot for us. So yes. we're going to do that on the podcast eventually. Uh, we'll yes. see if you ever want to game master anything us again. <laughs> After that, you're gonna, it's going to be it's gonna be Mary. You can't do that. Mary, you can't do that. Uh, I'm going to be like, I can do whatever I want. Um, also, make sure to join us next time for season five, episode eight, Shadow. Um, until then, check out your various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchdiaries.com. Bye! Bye! Bye!